You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today I've got T.P. Hammock and Cam Berry with me for the full three hours as we continue to break down everything going on in the world of sports. And there is a lot to get to here on this Wednesday afternoon. Auburn has been busy. They have made a couple of hires since this time yesterday, so we'll go through those on the offensive side of the football. So we'll give you the latest on that. We'll give you the latest on the D.C. search and where that continues to stand. We'll also talk some Auburn basketball today as the Tigers get set for a date with the Vanderbilt Commodores inside of Nashville, Tennessee. A very, very interesting setup for college basketball, so we'll preview that one in just a little bit. Of course, we'll take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. If you'd like to give us a call today, we'll also continue to talk transfer portal. It has been incredibly busy in the world of college football. Auburn has had a couple of guys enter yesterday, which was talked about in the show. We'll give some more thoughts, though, on that and kind of where the transfer portal cycle is stacking up for the Tigers. Also, huge transfers in the portal out of Alabama uh, today and just continuing on with a lot of players they've lost, more decommitments, that sort of thing. So, again, the world of college football is busy with the transfer portal and uh, busy in the world of recruiting and that sort of thing. Also, if, if we've got time today, there continues to be seven NFL head coaching opportunities uh, after Gerard Mayo was hired late last week by the Patriots. There's remained seven openings uh, so far. Uh, no announcements out of Dallas or Philadelphia about changes. Uh, so the number is seven. So if we have time today, uh, we will get to those NFL head coach openings later in the week. We will, of course, preview the playoff games to come. So a lot to get to on this Wednesday edition of the show. Again, Ryan, TP, and Cam with you here on this Wednesday. We'll start with you, TP. You're filling in for TP today, but uh, good to have you on the show. Good to good to be on the show. Uh, you know, I'm usually just on Thursdays, but I'll I'll pull a double duty in honor of Mr. Peavy. But uh, you know, it's been a real exciting day of uh, sports today. You know, got the college football news, got the transfer news out of uh, the other team in the state of Alabama, and uh, they lost some big contributors today. And uh, you know, Auburn basketball plays, and I'm really excited to see how they do on the road at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not a uh, not doing great this year. Had some bad losses, and uh, you know, I, I'm excited. Excited to see how Auburn does on the road, though, because Auburn historically hasn't played great at Vanderbilt. 
Uh, but you know, this is a good opportunity to get a road win and get your, um, you know, get get your feet under you for that and uh, get ready for the game on Saturday. But uh, you know, really excited for uh, today's show, getting to talk to our callers, and uh, you know, should be a really good day. And uh, looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. And then Cam Berry on this Wednesday edition of the program. Cam, Hello. Cam, how are things in your world? Oh, yeah. Everything is going great. Been a been a busy week, honestly, just in terms of both uh, both jobs and um, going just doing a lot of interview interviews and, and talking to a lot of people about a lot of things going on in sports, especially, I mean, just with the news and hiring of, of Alabama's new head coach and all types of things like that. And uh, yeah, it's been great, and, and Auburn getting <clears throat> uh, f- uh, f- officially finalizing their offensive staff today. Definitely a, a solid movement, and, and things that we had already been talking about that were kind of building traction as as uh, you know spots became open and things like that. So Nix has now uh, officially been been named as the. Um, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yep. I, we have I, not technically. I said, blew yeah. the lead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's what I get for stepping away, right? <laughs> that's that's pretty much what I get. Um, but, but you're yeah, happy about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely happy about the new hires, and, and we'll go a little bit deeper into that, my bad, Ryan. All good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so excited to be here and, and glad it's a, a happy Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, ready to, ready to talk about it. Are, are you doing well, Ryan? I know your your Bucks got the dub, <laughs> uh-huh. so, uh, and you're finally back. So uh, it's good to have you back safe Thanks, and sound. Sir. Yeah, I am doing very well. I did have a very great time. Uh, in Tampa, uh, the the Bucks team obviously went uh, as I could have wildly imagined, as well as I could have wildly imagined on on Monday night. It was a great atmosphere, a lot of fun. Uh, certainly cherish those opportunities to be down there and uh, and make the trips down there. So yeah, absolutely had a great time in Tampa. Ate too much food. Uh, it was all very good though. Went to another Brazilian steakhouse. Can't help myself. Do it, do it. Look, man, I don't fault you. I'll <laughs> never fault you for a Brazilian steakhouse. You already know I've been on that type of time, so I, I'm, I'm with it. So, uh, yeah, if you want, if you, I don't know how we're gonna do this, but uh, if you want a little bit later, if the show ever goes off the tracks, so I can give you the stats. Yes, let's uh, do it. The, oh. <laughs> what? So, uh, that's always a good thing. We're talking but, yeah. Brazilian steakhouses here, listeners. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm but, uh, not. It's sorry. a good time. You should go. There's some in Atlanta, some in Birmingham. They're good. Uh, but yeah, I had a really good time in Tampa and very excited to be back. And with that, let's get going here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Uh, and yeah, Auburn football making big news today. Yesterday, the news was pertaining to players. Today, the news is pertaining to coaches. And that is that Auburn has pretty much been able to finalize their offensive staff. They did that. There was the reports this morning uh, that became official about an hour ago from Auburn University that Derek Nix has been hired away from Ole Miss to be the offensive coordinator for Auburn and the running backs coach. Of course, that is a very, that was a very natural thought that we had. We'll get into in just a second. Very natural thought after Cadillac Williams had to resign that once the running back coach became open, uh, knowing there's an offense coordinator, a need there that Derek Nix was a guy we talked a lot about. He has gotten those roles. He is the offense coordinator, and he is going to be the running backs coach. And also another logical move, something that we believe would happen uh, probably even beyond any of the shakeups last week in Auburn staff, that Kent Austin is being promoted. He is going to become the quarterback's coach for Auburn. So that pretty much does it for your offensive staff. Again, we'll remind you of everybody in just a moment as well. Uh, but with the departures of mainly Philip Montgomery and Cadillac Williams on the offensive staff, the replacements are Kent Austin and Derek Nix. Guys, let's start with Derek Nix, uh, a guy that had been at Ole Miss for an incredibly 
a long period of time. Again, somebody we mentioned on the show in, in pretty good detail last week is going to be at the top of Auburn's wish list there. Uh, so what do you think of the hire? And again, filling that role of running backs coach also that was uh, previously occupied by Cal. Well, you know, he must have been doing something right. You know, you don't spend 16 years on the same staff Seriously. and not be a well-respected coach in the building. So I think that's huge to get him away from Ole Miss there. I mean, you know, he is the wide receivers coach from 2020 to 2023, and Ole Miss has had some really good wide receivers. And the running backs coach from 2008 to 2019. So another thing, you know, Ole Miss, has back, you know, they used to have some pretty good – they've had some really good players under him. So he's seen a lot, and uh, I think that's huge. You know, I know that Hugh's still going to be calling the plays, but we were talking about off-air, there's some sort of – thing where he may get to call plays or something i don't know it's confusing but uh i think that was a really good hire i think that's about as good as you could get i remember early on whenever philip montgomery did get uh let go i do remember one of the first names that we talked about on the show was the old miss wide receivers coach and that was and they were referring to Derek nix so um i'm not terribly surprised i know that lane tweeted something about him like still being there and that, that kind of threw a curveball but at the end of the day you know uh, Mr. Nix is going to be a uh, a coach on the Auburn staff, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with uh, his new squad and back uh, with Hugh Freeze. Yeah, great pickup for uh, uh, for Hugh Freeze and the staff. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you get a fantastic recruiter, uh, and and like you like TP said already, just uh, I mean a guy who's a well respected coach who has made it through all of the coaching changes that Ole Miss has gone through, uh, and and has stayed on at every staff, uh, uh, with every with every staff, and, and I mean I think that's a, just a testament to the type of coach that that Derek Nix is and uh, his his ability to uh, be adaptable and and be able to be a fantastic coach that can bring value to a to a staff and a, and a, and a roster so it's exciting to have him on and, and to see what he's going to be able to do uh and, and you know have, have the play calling duties and different things like that have the promotion get that opportunity for himself so a big step in his career uh so i i think uh i think everybody's going to be able to make the most of this and i think Hugh freeze is very excited to have him on the staff and um you know that I think that's the best replacement as of right now for for Cadillac as as one could could make. I mean, you know that that was a tough. That's a tough. That's somebody tough to follow. But I think he got the right move in going to get Derek Nix, who has so much experience in the SEC uh, and somebody who who can you can really attest to and say, hey, this guy knows what he's doing uh, in his role. Yeah. So for Derek Nix, look, this is a guy that again uh, clearly Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin coveted. Uh, if you are on social media, then you know Lane Kiffin has uh, been up to some no good uh, on social media the last that's few days. That's an understatement. About this. Um, you know, he's always used that uh, in a way that's interesting. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes, obviously, it's going to rub people the wrong way. Uh, there was a tweet about four days ago that was basically along the lines of Derek Mix is still at, uh, at Ole Miss. I don't know what uh, what all the hoopla is about at Auburn football or so, you know something along those lines. Uh, and then, uh, you know, tweet at Freeze about play calling duties the next day, which, again, we're going to get back to that in just a second. And uh, just, again, a couple tweets very specifically about Darren Nix's situation as it pertained to Auburn trying to get him. Obviously, it was clear Auburn was trying. Uh, and then uh, today, as the news breaks, Ole Miss puts out a statement on their official account before – 
uh, even really it became widely spread that the news was out there before Auburn had a chance to announce anything, etc. Uh, and again, the timeliness of that to try and, and, and beat everyone to the news. And then also the wording of it to uh, talking about we were sure to take all play calling duties. And again, being kind of uh, interesting with the play calling part of it. There was some sort of clausing and trying to go through every detail of it that uh, basically he needed to uh, take, go to a position where he was going to have some sort of play calling duties so that he could avoid a buyout at Ole Miss. So, again, he would have owed Ole Miss something to leave if he was not going to be involved in some sort of play-calling duties. Now, I've read some Justin Hokinson uh, of On3. I've read some other guys. The belief is still that Hugh Freeze is going to call plays for Auburn. Uh, again, I think that Freeze will will definitely trust Knicks more than Montgomery because he has worked with Knicks. And again, we'll go back through the credentials in a second too. There's a lot to get to here. But I think that Freeze is still going to be calling plays based on what I'm reading and understanding. And that Knicks is going to have a saying game plan. And again, what the buyout figure was, if they're actually adhering to it, can Knicks call a play? And that count, again, there's going to be some murkiness there. Um, and, and there's going to be a little bit of a maybe a if Ole Miss is going to be petty about this, maybe a, a disagreement or something. Uh, but the, the, the moral of the story is that Hugh Freeze is still believed to be calling, if not all the plays, most of them. He will be game planning a lot. And Derek Nix is now the offense coordinator for Auburn and the running backs coach. And he is leaving a school in Ole Miss, which, again, he survived, I believe, four administrations dating back to 2008. That's crazy. Uh, he did do some work with the Falcons for a year before that and then with uh, Southern Miss for a few years. But, again, mainly 2008 up until now, he had been at Ole Miss, primarily as running backs coach, but he was – elevated when Kiffin got there to associate head coach and also started to coach wide receivers. Of course, you've seen Ole Miss's wide receivers the last couple of years, so that's also a good thing. But he'll be coaching the running backs, which he did from 2008 to about 2020 or so. And again, he was at Ole Miss before Hugh Freeze. He was with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. He was with Matt Luke at Ole Miss. And again, with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And so with the Rebels for about 15, 16 years – and somebody that obviously Lane Kiffin has been um, very outspoken about trying to keep. So that is Derek Nix, and he's now uh, the running backs coach and offense coordinator for Auburn. There's also the Kent Austin bit of this. He is now the quarterback coach for Auburn. I can read you his credentials. Of course, he has been with Freeze several times. Uh, he got his start in Canada as a coach in the CFL, eh? Ottawa Renegades. Toronto Argonauts and Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which he had coached. Then he went to Ole Miss as the OC in 08-09. Again, I still believe that was the Houston Nut time period, I think, at Ole Miss. Uh, then at Cornell for the head coach for three years, Big Red. Then back to the CFL, Hamilton Tiger Cats from 2013-2017. Somewhere my dad is happy because he's yeah. watched a lot of CFL and probably like, oh, that was him. Uh, also took a year off and came with Hugh Freeze to Liberty. Worked as the co-OC and quarterbacks coach from 2019-2022. Of course, came to Auburn as an offensive analyst last year. And now the 60-year-old graduate uh, of Ole Miss, by the way, is 
now Auburn's quarterback coach. So, can Austin elevate it there? Guys, again, I think a very logical move. Uh, when you're looking at coordinator situation, look, a lot of times coordinators can be quarterback coaches. That's what Philip Montgomery was. Uh, however, with what Auburn was trying to do with Derek Nix, obviously they were not going to get him to Auburn to just right. be a running back coach. So it kind of necessitated that you were not going to go outside of the program, and ultimately this is a guy that Hugh Freeze has worked with. Yeah, yeah. This this seems to be kind of a kind of like Hugh Freeze's right hand man in a sense, right? Where he's you know wherever Hugh Freeze goes or ends up, he's always got Ken Austin with him. He trusts Ken Austin a lot. Uh, likes to have him with the quarterbacks or calling plays. That I I think uh, Hugh Freeze trusts him to run the offense that he likes in, in that sense. Obviously, he's not going to be the offensive coordinator with uh, you know with the Derek Nicks with Derek Nicks coming in, uh, and you had to give that to Derek. Knicks to get him over here so uh give him give him that uh that that promotion um but he trusts trusts Ken Austin a lot uh and seems like uh he'll he's going to be the guy that's going to work out the quarterback situation figure that out coach him up and uh ultimately figure out who's going to be the starter for next year I think anytime you can get a coordinator slash coach position like quarterback coach with this much experience I think that's a really big deal you know, some people may just scoffed at the idea of, you know, being a, you know, having that experience in the CFL. But at the end of the day, that's a professional league. There are legit players that go from the NFL to the CFL, and they do pretty well over there. So I think that's a really big deal having someone with that and also former head coaching duties at Cornell. It's really hard to coach in the Ivy League. So I think that's really impressive to be able to – I know he was with Auburn last year as an offensive analyst, but I think that's a really good move to promote him to – uh quarterback coach because um you know it's not an easy thing like i said to uh you know have those duties in the cfl and all that so uh, i'm pretty impressed with that way to you know i'm very pleased to promote him to quarterback coach and uh hopefully he can uh develop and we can see some really good quarterback play this season so again to put it all together the offensive staff uh, for auburn heading into 2024 uh, is going to be, again, led by offensive coordinator Derek Nix. He will also be the running back coach. Again, Kent Austin will be the quarterback coach. Wide receivers coach, still Marcus Davis, who, of course, has done a, a wonderful job on the recruiting trail. Ben Agamala, the tight ends coach. And then the offensive line coach continues to be Jake Thornton. Again, we'll also talk about the defensive side of the staff a little bit later in the show as Auburn continues to hunt for a at least another co defensive coordinator but in the meantime we're going to go ahead and go to our first break of the show today when we come back we'll start to get to your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line again 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one at tiger nine to call into the show today sports call continues after this timeout been on the air since 1995 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call 
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Do want to go ahead and tell you about we will have a shortened show on Friday as the high school basketball season continues on. We'll have Beauregard High School basketball coming up right around 5 o'clock on Friday, so we will be getting off air at 4.30. So just want to go ahead and remind you of that. Also want to remind you this is the last week of the Sports Call survey being available online at thetiger.fm. Also on our social medias at SportsCallAU on Twitter. Also on Facebook and Instagram, Sports Call Auburn is the account there. Again, would really appreciate participation in that. Again, it's up for this final week. Gotten some good responses already for sure. Won a few more. Uh, and so, again, if you have just four or five minutes, it's just nine questions. So go online at the tiger.fm at sports call AU on socials and uh, go fill that out for us and help us improve the show in 2024. With that, let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on this Wednesday edition of the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I feel much better, guys, since hearing your voice, Ryan. Welcome back, man. Thank you, sir. It's uh, good to be back. Well, I hope that you, I'm saying you should have had a very enjoyable trip about, uh, back from Tampa Bay. Uh, that is safe to say. Uh, I always have a good time down there, win or lose, but certainly winning in a playoff game, it's hard to beat that. It was a great atmosphere, and I, I certainly enjoyed myself. And you didn't have to encounter any frostbite, did you? Oh, no, man. I'll tell you what, I left yesterday morning, and even up to about Gainesville, Florida, it was like 73 degrees. And then I got to off the interstate in Tifton, Georgia, and it was forty. And it was uh, it was not pleasant change. I preferred the seventy three. Uh, I don't doubt that. And I saw on the Weather Channel uh, that you had eighteen degrees this morning. We had twenty one, so it's a little bit more balmier here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, all all across the state, um, cold that we do not experience uh, very often. So tell me this: you at the game? Were you? Which side of the end zone were you at when they had the uh, attempt for the, uh, uh, the the two point safety that they didn't make? Uh, opposite side. I'm that's that that's the pirate ship side, and I'm always on the uh, on the opposite end zone. Okay, I mean that was unbelievable that game. All right, so well, let's get going on real quick. My time and your time is very valuable. Sure, Stephen. I, I right. will I will add real quick too. By the way, that was KJ Britt that pulled him out of the pile there too. So a lot of what? Auburn influence on that Bucks defense. Well, I'll be darned. Okay, yep. thanks for that information. Yep. Appreciate it. All right, how about a big, big war down Derek Nix? Yes, sir. New offense coordinator uh, and running backs coach. You know, I remember the late coach Pat Dye saying, and I I, I, uh, I wish if I had an Instagram, I'd, I'd do it to uh, uh, Mr. Notorious Elaine Kip. You know, the less you say, the less you have to take back. Sure. Uh, so with that, you know, uh, I'm so excited from – these quotes from uh, Coach Derek Nix, uh, and just briefly what he said. He said here that uh, I have an understanding of what uh, referred to Keith Freeze he wants offensively as well as culture-wise. Fundamentally, and I love this part, we want to be a fast, physical, and fearless offensive scoring unit. And then he goes on to say, growing up in the state of Alabama, I understand what Auburn is about. I have vivid memories as a kid following the likes of Bo Jackson, Stan White, and the undefeated team in 1993. So 
that gives me encouragement that he really gets it. He knows what Auburn is about. And didn't know this until I read from 247 Sports. He actually played one season with who? Cadillac at Edward High School. Oh, I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah. He played running back. All right. So, uh, that was interesting. All right. So, guys, uh, how many or are there any uh, coaches remaining uh, for Ole Miss? <laughs> uh, yeah, again, they, they'll have to replace, uh, replace a couple now. But, uh, but yeah, they – they're going to have an interesting year. They've they've got their they got some key positions intact, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a big loss. They certainly valued Derek Nix a lot. And about that contract, according to Four Seven Sports, uh, from what they were reading, the Mississippi contract required for him not to have a uh, buyout. That uh, his title at whatever position he he went to had to be an offensive coordinator. Well, he is the offensive coordinator now, so that should right now be the remedy right yeah again i read something too about pertaining to play calling which i have no idea how you you quantify what that means um i, I think well, that you please can tell me anything can't he? They, they can't verify right yeah i mean again they we <laughs> unfortunately we at auburn for about eight or nine years have played a game of who's calling what and when uh so if we don't even have a great feel there's no way for them uh, to be able to have a great feel for it, so Auburn will pretty much be able to say whatever they want in that department. I think the, I think the expectation is Hugh Freeze will be calling the plays, and and uh, Nick's will just have a obviously as offense coordinator a huge role in, in what's on the sheet and and in game planning that sort of thing. But I, I think Freeze will still be calling plays. Yeah. Okay, guys. I don't know if you heard about this, but I just got a text. Uh, transfer portal breaking news, uh, and I, I got it from a uh, friend of mine who's an Alabama fan. And the breaking news is that apparently Alabama University's million dollar band has entered the transfer portal. Yeah, there's, there have been uh, a ton of them for sure. It's been a wild, wild west there. Okay, I thought I'd get a little bit more laughter uh, from you guys. <laughs> it's a million dollar band entering the transfer portal, you know? Yeah, they're, they, so, well, that's a, they have a huge band, so that would be a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, they've lost a bunch of people. We're going after one of their five-star commits, apparently. His name, last name is Gray. Is that right? Uh, Zion Grady. Yeah. Zion Grady. He, he yeah. had just visited Auburn this past weekend and then decommitted from BAM, I believe, today. Uh, so um, would it be jump to conclusion by saying that maybe a lot of these uh, high-tower recruits were committing because of Saban instead of Alabama? I, th- I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, you know – why wouldn't you want to go play for the greatest of all time? I think that definitely plays a factor into it. Uh, I think Zion Grady's is a little bit different. I did read a quote. I'd have to find it, but it was from an on-three guy that said that communication had really died between him and Alabama. So I think that might have just been before even Saban retired. I think that might have just been a, a mutual parting of ways. But I have seen Zion Grady play in, per- in person, and he is he is a machine out there. He is – he is something else, so I, I hope Auburn can land his commitment. But, but yeah, I, I do think uh, I do think some of these players that we see entering the portal are there were there just for Saban. Yeah. And uh, he uh, Grady is out of uh, Charles Henderson and Troy, so not too too far from here. And what I'm not seeing very much of, unless I'm just overlooking, I'm like going to go to the right website. I don't see too many people in the transfer portal, if any, lately. Uh, from uh, Georgia, and I was trying to see what do you guys make of that. Well, okay. Well, for, first, let's tell you the, the the timeline here. The transfer portal is not open for other schools right now. It is only open at Alabama, at Washington, 
uh, at Arizona and at San Jose State. Uh, and that is because the portal technically closed for entry about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. And when you have a coaching change, uh, you, everyone on that team is given 30 days as a new window to open the portal uh, right. to, to enter the portal. So that that Georgia's port, Georgia can't have you can't leave if you're at Georgia right now. You would have to wait till the spring window. They did have guys go in the portal back in December when their season when they did not make the playoff. They had plenty of their second and third string guys predominantly. Uh, go in the portal. I think they got to double digits too, but uh, the the portal's just not open for anyone other than those schools that uh, changed head coaches. Okay, Paris. Thanks for uh, refreshing my memory on that. All right, uh, moving real quickly, guys. Uh, Staying real quickly with the uh, NFL. You, you guys, if you were watching the game, you know you saw uh, Patrick Mahomes' uh, helmet get cracked partially, right? Yeah, that was wild. Well, you know, I didn't notice until I read it from ABC News, uh, their sports section. Uh, that's exactly what it was designed to do. I'm reading uh, the set of the manufacturer they spoke with, uh, one of the people representing the spokesman said it did its job. Apparently, this is a uniquely constructed uh, uh, helmet that they apparently uh, are so good. The NFL has wanted them to make, I guess, produce all their helmets. But he said they tested in extreme conditions so that it would actually do something like that. And Apparently, he was saved by the construction and the design and with the materials that they used for this. So what happened, what I thought was bad, was actually it was doing the, the, the job it was supposed to do. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that. I know that, look, when you are developing protective equipment, uh, you've got to think about outside-the-box things that could happen. Uh, certainly, we know when you're talking about airbags and vehicles and you're talking about safety measures for, again, equipment like this – you do have to think about some um, outlier events, and certainly negative 30 windshield is an outlier event. Uh, so kudos to them for thinking about how it would need to operate in that circumstance. But, uh, yeah, no, I did not know. Uh, I did not. I, I look, to be fair, when I saw it, I didn't even really question, like, oh, is it, you know, is that a really bad thing or something like that? I was just like, man, it's cold. And that, that, that was my yeah. thought about that. But I was afraid it might have, you know, injured him, you know, because right above his uh, his, uh, his eyes, I said, dang, you know, I, I thought some if some pieces might have, you know, disintegrated or, or gotten to his eye. But anyway, the uh, spokesperson said their design is similar to car bumpers, in which they appear to be inexpensive plastic at first, but they, in fact, these helmets are engineered to absorb and disperse energy at the point of impact. There you go. Okay. Yeah. And they're well wrapped around out. a stiffer inner shell. So anyway, I just... So I'll let you know that that crack was, in, was exactly what it was supposed to do. Sure. All right. Speaking of cracks, we got some cracks you got to take care of tonight. And I I know uh, Brett told me this yesterday, and I know I'm reminded quite often by Tom, who's not there, that uh, stuff happens. But I hope to God stuff does not happen uh, tonight against Vanderbilt. We are an 11 half point favorite. Right, which is right what – I just – Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, which is when you uh, when you asked the guys the other day, I, I heard it. You asked them what the line would be. I think they all said something in that range, so they got that one good. Yeah, um, and for some unknown reason, I don't know. Is it because of the there's a raised uh, port that they use there? Does that present problems to to all teams or just to us? 
Uh, I mean, now that I mean that should be to any road team that's not used to it. I mean, the dimensions are such to where look, you can't just keep going and going, or else you could fall down instead of a level or falling up if you were to jump over a scores table, that sort of thing. That's something that everyone has to play under. Vandy is obviously more comfortable and more aware, but also, I mean, these you, you go there every other year or something like that. So again, a lot of these Auburn players. At least several of them have already played at Vandy. Auburn went to Vandy, I believe, last year, right? Lost a uh, close one last yeah, year. So yeah, last really. Second. Yeah, so so really, just about everyone other than the guy like Aiden Holloway or Chad Baker Mazar has played there. So they're they're going to understand. I think the 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 point about the sight lines is also relevant. That's just a different sight line. But also, if we'll remember, sometimes NCAA tournament courts can be set up a little bit like that too. Or certainly later in an NCAA tournament when they're playing in these big, sometimes football stadiums or the Final Four and stuff like that, and you have long, long sight lines. So I'm not going to say it's completely foreign in that regard, but it is rarer. Uh, and and it is obviously challenging for road teams because they're not used to it very often. Well, the game that we lost last year in the last in the last second layup, I'm reading right here. I forgot about it. Uh, this guy is still playing. He's a fifth year guard. Tyron his Lawrence, name is Ezra, Ezra, Dan John, okay. is that right? Name? Uh, I was yeah. thinking you were going to say Tyron Lawrence because he's one of their best players. But uh, are you talking about their? Uh, he's a fifth year guard, Ezra Manjohn, who beat us. Sure. Said, the article on the last second layup last year. Gotcha. Season. Okay. Yep. And he is their leading scorer this year. So, uh, and they've lost some really close games, even though their record, you know, you wouldn't know it by just looking at the record. So, uh, I guess this may be what? A, a nail biter? I would say that I, I think that Auburn will not blow them out all game. I do think Auburn will win. I do think that Auburn will probably not come down to the last couple minutes. Uh, but look, within the scheme of the other 35, 36 minutes, could there be a moment where Vandy leads midway through the first half? Sure. Could there be a moment where uh, Auburn goes on a run to finally get it up to double digits and Vandy then struggles from that point forward? Sure. But I, I think that Auburn is – I mean, they're a lot better. It's not just a little bit better. They are a lot better. So really, if you're Vandy, you're just banking on Auburn – doing things that they don't normally do. A lot of turnovers, a lot of bricks, uh, being overwhelmed, Vandy hitting a lot of shots, and you need a lot of combination of things for this to go wrong. I would like to add to this, Steve. From what I was able to tell, it looks like they really play to their opponent's level of competition. So, like, whenever they played Western Carolina and lost, they didn't really play well and they lost. So, and whenever they played Alabama, who's uh, started off undefeated in yeah, SEC play, they, 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 they lost by three. They should have beaten Alabama. So, um, they uh, – and whenever they played Ole Miss and LSU, you know, those were pretty close games until the end. They kind of pulled away. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Vanderbilt played Auburn pretty well here. Like I say, it just looks like this is a classic tale of a team that really does play to the uh, opponent's level of competition. And uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, heard my comments – Yesterday, uh, to me, it was inexcusable that we blew a 28-point lead at home, and I kept yelling, call a timeout. But the my son, and then I read, you know, again, the comments from uh, Pearl that he apparently wants his team to figure it out. Well, so I, see, I kept saying, well, how long do you let the team figure it out before you finally decide, hey, they ain't figuring it out? Well, I think Bruce's other argument, and look, for the record, I do think they should have called a timeout, but – 
I, I think Bruce's other argument is that they're taking all this energy to come back, and Auburn is a deeper team. LSU plays less guys. We don't want to give them more rest as they're trying to come back. I think that's something he said in the post game. And so, look, I again, I agree. It is it is harder to know the right time to call a timeout at home because it's it's more of a frustration factor where it's like if you just get one to go the crowds and start to get back in it you just it, you flip it so much quicker at home and you get frustrated when you don't on the road I, I truly believe he would have called a timeout in fact he would have called a timeout I think uh, probably the second they hit three straight threes uh, but but I, I but at home look he he's obviously a guy that likes to got the play through it. Again, I don't personally subscribe to that. Uh, but also, I think the moral of the story is the lead was so huge that they could afford to have it elongated, and still they got a thing as close as eight or nine. So uh, obviously it was uncomfortable, but they also did eventually recover enough to get back up to, I think, covering the spread. I think it was 13. So, uh, yeah, they, they did. Yeah, so again, I, I understand – how it felt in the second half and how it felt during that run, but also Auburn still for the totality of the game beat the Vegas expectation and still won that game by 15. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, it should never come to that. And I said, what are you doing squandering a 28-point lead? Because that's how I saw it. I said, you know, they should have been – we should have won probably about 30, by 40, 30, 40 points. Sure. But no, no, we, we, we somehow managed to make games interesting when they shouldn't be. Uh, so – but that said, guys, stick with basketball real quickly. I didn't see it, but I read it on a number of uh, poster boards and uh, blogs. Maybe you guys saw it. But apparently Nate Oates uh, shoved or pushed one of the uh, players last night yes. uh, playing Missouri, and yes. no actions, no penalties, uh, no technical fouls, anything were called. Guys, uh, what do you think? Oh, was the reason that nothing was called against NATO for doing that. Yeah, I know the SEC came out today with a, a public reprimand, which is they you, did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I mean, it's no penalty. It's just saying publicly you should not have done that. Don't do that again. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as for uh, on the on the court at the moment. Uh, you can't put your hands on other players. Uh, you, you just can't do that. And. Uh, I understand that Missouri's players were kind of near the Alabama sideline. Obviously, it's why Oates was in the position to do that. You still can't do that. Uh, there was, it was not like he was breaking up a fight. I know coaches will sometimes get in the middle of a fight, and that's understandable. They were not fighting. They were not pushing. They were just jawing. Uh, and so you can't do that. So that, that really could have been and should have been a, 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 a technical foul at that moment. Um, I think the officials were probably more – uh, observing the jawing and trying to make sure there was not some sort of pushing and shoving amongst the players. Uh, but yeah, as a coach, you cannot put your hands on other players like that. So that was that was not a good moment. You know, for an official view occurred about that, determine whether he should have gotten a technical or not. I think they could have reviewed it. Uh, and again, like I said, I think at the time they he should have gotten a technical, but uh, obviously uh, did not. Okay, but that said, guys. We got some good uh, basketball games coming on tonight. Good uh, Connecticut, I think, is playing Creighton. Uh, yeah, the, yes. Yeah, yes, they are. Yeah, and last night was a barn burner. TCU upset Baylor at their place. Did you see that one? I did. You know, Steve. You know, I no. Uh, yeah, Kansas State. Kansas State upset Baylor at well, their Kansas, 
Yeah, T- TCU lost to Cincinnati in overtime. And here, oh, that's right. Yeah, T- yeah. Like here's a fun yeah. fact for you, Steve. I know you always got these weird ones. I saw this weirdest stat I saw last night. Cincinnati won their ninth straight overtime victory in men's basketball. Their last overtime victory loss was in 1994. Really? Yep. So the Bearcats know oh, how to win fun. in overtime. Okay, so we're on ninth streak, ninth streak of winning, uh, winning streak right now. Uh, now, double digits, guys. Do you know what is our streak right now, winning by double digits? Uh, yes, yeah, so I have it in front of me. Uh, all month in January has been double digits. They did it to Chattanooga, Alabama State, USC, UNC, Asheville, Indiana. Therefore, all nine games have been by double digits. All right, okay. Well, well, let's see if somebody might decide to call a timeout tonight if they need to. Ho- yeah, hopefully he does guys. not need to. Yeah, okay. Well, thank guys. Thank you very much for taking my phone calls always. And good to have you back again, uh, Ryan. So uh, until uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's shortened version. No, is it Friday? Right? Friday, Friday, yep. Okay, all right. Have a safe afternoon, guys, and stay warm. War Eagle. War Eagle, appreciate that phone call. That is retiring Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We have time for another phone call here before the end of hour number one. Again, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good. Are you guys doing well? Just trying to keep warm. Uh, I see TJ Phelan's back in the portal again. I, uh, to my understanding, I think he had graduated at least one time, right? Yeah, I think I think he graduated from uh, Texas State. Okay, at least I thought he had received a degree before he left Auburn. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I was close to getting one. If if, if uh, something like that, didn't it? I'm not sure if if TJ if TJ uh, graduated. I think I think he. I don't know. I'm not sure if he yeah, got a degree. Because that was talk that he was about to walk across the stage at, on his way out uh, right. at that time. Right. But uh, what I want to get at. Um, so now he's bouncing around again. I know he got a COVID year left that he's uh, pursuing that would be this this upcoming fall. Correct. But just just trying to see where he might bounce around. But uh, what is the thing with him as far as? Uh, Maybe having to uh, sit out. So there's no sit out for him, then, right? If he's already graduated, right? Yeah, I don't think he has to sit out at all. I, I mean, even with the COVID year, I'm pretty sure he, he wouldn't have had to sit out either way. Um, I don't know where he would end up, honestly. I was surprised that he was transferring from Texas State. I, I he, he did really well there. Yeah, I, I mean, I right. thought he had plenty of opportunity, and I thought he, I mean, you know, he'd finish out his collegiate career there. But I, I'm not sure where he will end up next. In all honesty. Yeah. You know, because uh, he transferred out of LSU, transferred out of Auburn, he's transferring again. So this Correct. be the fourth school. So yeah. I guess as long as he, long as he graduates, then ain't, like you said, there ain't no limit to that. Yes, then. sir. Yeah, oh, I, wow. Yeah. Well, I want to see where he ends up. I wonder if he'll make it back to the Southeastern Conference. I, I doubt it. I, I really do. I, I don't think he's much of an SEC quarterback, honestly. I, I, I'm not sure where he'd end up. I don't think he would end up in yeah, the he SEC. Might, he might be able to move up to something like the AAC, AAC or maybe yeah. a, a, a smaller school that's like in the Big 12, maybe. I could see a, but, Mac, a good uh, Mac team. But, uh, yeah, again, I just because he started to figure out Texas State, I do not think that he can just hop back into the SEC and, and all of a sudden he's a, a really good starter there. So he just pop up there somewhere like like you said and pad the numbers a little bit and, and maybe get a look in the pros maybe maybe not. Yeah, may, maybe again he'd have to have a, a a really big year wherever he went though. I see uh, Alabama's big offensive tackle that freshman uh, that's from Iowa has decided to get on in the portal. I, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, somebody labeled him as All American. Did he get All American honors this year? 
Not that I'm aware of. He he probably made some all freshman teams in the conference, um, but uh, yeah, no, he was he was freshman All American, uh, and uh, he was first team freshman All SEC. So he was freshman All American and first team All freshman in the SEC. But uh, yeah, big boy Caden Proctor is his name of six eight three sixty, and uh, yeah, he he was he started all the games. He's very good this year. I want a few freeze my entertain him coming for an interview or sit down and talk to him or something uh, since he's in the portal. I, I don't know uh, what all teams he might be looking at, but I think it's probably worth a try. I mean, if you know, we can get him down for a visit or, or something. A guy that big with the possibilities, uh, kind of talent he got, possibilities of what could possibly happen if you put him on that on that line. Yeah, well, uh, look, I mean, I think a lot of schools are going to want him. I mean, obviously, if you're making freshman All American in Alabama. Uh, you're destined probably to be a professional. So uh, I, I think that he is going to be coveted by many. I know he's from Iowa, so I don't know if he'll be wanting to go back to Big Ten country. I don't know well, you know exactly what all the, the wants there for him will be. But, yeah, no, if you're if you're really any school, uh, that, that uh, even if they have a pretty good offensive line, you should be targeting him. I know Auburn did get a 6'8", 3'45", transfer from Mississippi State, who started for Mississippi State this year in tackle, and the plan is probably for him to be a tackle, but I would I would, I would, would call Proctor if I was just about any school. And I, w- I would like to add that uh, before he flipped to Alabama, he was committed to Iowa at one time, so it really wouldn't surprise me if he ended up with the Hawkeyes. Yeah, he probably got homesick, and with saving leaving, I guess they don't need to stand around uh bunch of guys are starting to jump in that portal more and more uh, as the days go by. We'll see how many more get in there. I mean, they just said, well, I guess saving ain't here. Ain't no reason to stay uh, or whatnot. I guess so. The only reason they were there, I guess, because of saving and the possibilities of winning championships and going pro. But since he's not there, I guess the university just ain't enough to hold. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's that's been a tough reality there for a lot of those guys. Uh, again, they, they have had – a huge number and look i i think that uh you know the caleb downs situation this morning with him hitting the portal too he was another freshman that was just tremendous i think the reality is indeed that that uh, nick saban just carried that much weight and that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone with everything that he accomplished and now look you you take advantage of the portal if you're all those kids you know you're going to be coveted uh you know that maybe you have different desires and you may not have the faith in DeBoer. Uh, because there's just not a whole lot there at the at the major college level, even though it was a really good two years at Washington. Uh, you, you know, if you're Caleb Downs, you're probably looking at Georgia being a, an in-state guy and from the state of Georgia. And uh, again, all these guys will be looking for different things, but obviously, a lot of them have uh, have hit the portal. Yeah, they certainly have. I guess that's just what we got going on now. And we'll see how it shakes out in the spring. Uh, have they set a, uh, has Hugh Freeze set a date for spring practice yet, or, or it's too early to make that announcement? I think it's a little too early for that. Uh, I yeah, I think I think it'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, they since they just started the semester and everything, I think they're uh, getting in the swing of things here pretty soon. And new running backs coach is in town, right? Yeah, Derek Nixon. He's also going to be the uh, the the label the offensive coordinator coming over from Ole Miss. Well, do you really need to label somebody as an offensive coordinator if the head coach got his mind set on calling the plays, if he know his system, know what he want to run? Is it really necessary to even have that kind of language going around and confusing people and mixing things up? So to us who only kind of evaluate coordinators based off of play calling, no. However, to lead those groups in team meetings and in practices, yes. Um, even if he does not end up calling plays – 
you still need to designate someone to still head up that room. Even if you do have an offensive guy as your head coach, or even if you had a defensive guy as a head coach and you were hiring a DC and that sort of thing, you still need someone to lead that group and help you be the chief game planner alongside of the head coach. So I understand for us as we evaluate guys that call plays, we, we like to think of coordinators in that light, but again, there's still so much more that they have to lead certain groups of people for. But, you know, you have some people that uh, will say, well, since he's coaching running backs, that, that would be a no-no having him as a coordinator because he's not going to be able to communicate like you need to do with the quarterback like he needs to. Well, I mean, look, but you do you could make that point, but again, like you're still going to have him above anyone else in that room, so he's still going to communicate with every group. Now, the running back will be his focus, but uh, I, I know a lot of times offense coordinators do uh, also be the quarterback coach. So, again, yes, you're right that that's a little bit different, but that authority, that's, again, why you have the title because that authority is there, and it's not going to be – you know, Hugh Freeze asking everything of Ken Austin is going to be him asking Derek Nix what he thinks about the performance of all that all that unit. Well, we're going to see how that shakes out and how it works. When, uh, but here's the thing with that now. When things don't work out, it's, it's going to be solely on Hugh Freeze 100%. There's no need to point to the coordinator, I wouldn't think. Well, I mean, not with play calling. Yes, sir. I mean, certainly with play calling with Freeze. Yeah, yeah. if the play calling is poor, that's going to fall on Freeze now. You can still have individual groups if the if the line's not great or, or whatever. You can still have uh, some some observations about positional coaches. But yes, the offense as a whole is is being taken more over by Freeze and, and the play calling, and and that will certainly be fair to to judge him solely on play calling there. Well, we'll see how it shakes out, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one now. You too, Anthony. Appreciate that phone call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are about out of time. For hour number one, stay tuned. In hour number two, we will have more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll continue to talk more about Auburn's coaching staff, more about the transfer portal, also about Auburn basketballs. They get set for a date with Vanderbilt inside of Memorial Gym tonight in Nashville. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally 
or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here Hello. on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, I want to remind you of a couple things as we open up our number two. Again, a shorter show in store for Friday. Borgard High School basketball will be on the airwaves at 5. We will be getting off air around 4.30 or thereabouts. So that's Friday. Also, want to remind you about the Sports Call survey. Still available on the Tiger.fm. Also on all the social medias. Uh, the, the links are there uh, on Twitter at uh, Sports Call AU, Sports Call Auburn, Facebook, and Instagram. It will be up for the remainder of the week, and that will be it. So please... You want to give your thoughts on the show? It's only a nine-question survey. You can do that and help us as we move forward here in 2024. Still a lot ahead, including Auburn basketball. A look at Auburn football staff. A look at the transfer portal, and if we have time, a little bit on the NFL head coaching vacancies. But for now, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up matt from tallahassee matt is with us matt how are you today uh hey ryan hey cam welcome back hey how's it going matt what's up jp hey how you doing yeah tp so what's up what's up? how are you guys doing today uh we're doing, doing quite good, well man doing good hey uh did you guys see that uh am beat arkansas uh, in basketball last night, no, Arkansas won that one. They won it at, uh, at the buzzer pretty much. Trayman Mark hit a, hit a shot with a second left, a win by uh, one. I just saw Florida beat – Tennessee beat Florida. Yes, Tennessee did uh, did handle Florida quite easily in uh, Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah. Hey, I was looking at like, the, the score, and I wanted to see what you guys think. First, I'll start with uh, Cam and JP. Um, I was looking at the score, the score for the Auburn – Vanderbilt game, it said to be 81-78. to Do you guys think Aubrey can score that many points against Vanderbilt? I mean, yeah, they, they can definitely yeah. score a lot on Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt has not been a good team this year, Matt. I mean, they're 5-11. and 11. They have some really bad losses to some really bad teams like Presbyterian, Western Carolina, and some other ones that – they really shouldn't be losing to. So, yeah, I think Auburn can uh, – if they play like we've seen them play for the last couple of weeks, they can uh, they can, they can can handle their business against the Commodores. Who is Vanderbilt's best player and worst player? And what player, Auburn player, would you put on the worst player and a good player? So, I, I think uh, Vanderbilt's best player is um, – Depending on where you look, it's probably Tyron Lawrence. Uh, he's been doing pretty well this year. Or Ezra 
Manjon. I, I might have butchered his last name, but uh, one of those I mean, two. It's just Manjon. Manjon. Okay, thank you. Uh, I would say those two are the the players to look out for for the Commodores. Um, I would expect Tyron Lawrence to be guarded by a Chad Baker Mazzaro or a Chaney Johnson or something along those lines. I uh, want to put your best, one of your better defenders on him so he doesn't get hot there. But uh, yeah, I, w- I would say I would look out for, of course, you know, Chad Baker Mazzaro as he's just awesome off the bench and uh and looking out for a vanderbilt player i'd look out for uh, mr lawrence yeah well um i heard i saw that one of the vanderbilt players is questionable for the ninth. i think it starts with i isaiah and then one of the players for vanderbilt after the season uh, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I know it's not their their top couple of players, so I, it, it very well may be someone uh, down the line a little bit. They have had a couple of injuries I'm aware of. I know Colin Smith is somebody that has been out since mid December. It's very possible he's the one uh, that's been out for an extended period of time there. Uh, you know, I but but yeah, they've got a lot of guys. If you look down the list, that have not played uh, in every game this season. But I expect Tyron Lawrence. And uh, again, Ezra Mannion to be out there, and those are their two best players. Uh, another question is like, what do you guys think about Robbie Ashford coming to South Carolina, and also the offense coordinator Robert hired? Yeah, so first with Ashford, I, I think that one's interesting. Hadn't gotten to talk about that yet. Uh, you know, look, they really don't have a quarterback right now uh, post uh, Spencer Rattler, and I, I think it's possible he competes for that job. Again, I don't think that uh, he still has uh, a high-end throwing ability. He certainly is a great athlete that can run the ball. That has not changed. So it would be interesting to see how they would stylistically change because I don't think he's not at all the same type of quarterback as Spencer Rattler. So uh, if they went that direction, they have to change some things. But I I do think he's going to get a look at starting. I I can't promise you if he'll start or not start, but I do think he'll be at least in the mix, and I think that's why South Carolina wanted him. I think that's why he wanted South Carolina. As for uh, Derek Nix, offensive coordinator now for Auburn, running backs coach, uh, he had been in Ole Miss a long time. That's someone that Ole Miss really, really valued through different coaching changes. That's someone that Lane Kiffin had very much valued and then even tweeted about trying to be uh, trying to ward off Auburn and then being a little salty and that sort of thing. So uh, clearly there was a lot of value there uh, by people at Ole Miss that, that valued him. Uh, but I, I think it's a good hire, and I think it's the guy that Auburn targeted for the, the last week or so. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to Cam and, and J.P., uh, do you guys probably see Auburn probably going to like the Week uh, Sixteen, the final out of four for basketball? Yeah, I, I I absolutely think that they could they could go that far. I mean, this team is really really good. I think they're built pretty well, and they have some good balance, and they play really good defense. So they they definitely have an opportunity to go uh, pretty deep into the tournament. I think we'll just see. They have to just stay consistent with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they definitely have the depth to which you don't see that much in college basketball. You usually see teams that are able to make a long run. They can really go to that bench, and we've seen that a lot with Auburn. Um, I think they can definitely make it to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. I think it just matters on, you know, like all things in college basketball, it just matters on who they get matched up with. You know, we saw that a couple of years ago where they got matched up with Miami, where their strengths were Auburn's weaknesses, and we, we fell with a really good team in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. So, um, yeah, I definitely think they can, though. I think this is a really fun Auburn team, and I look forward to seeing what they can do in the future. Do you remember when we got uh, matched up with 
Virginia Tech when they got Gray double dribbled. We got and uh, they beat us with a three pointer. Yep. Yep, I do. It was Virginia. Uh, it was in the Final Four. They uh, they double dribbled and then they um, got a foul call on the three pointer towards the end of the game. I hard yeah. to forget that one. So yeah. Well, hey, JP, um, uh, it was nice talking to you. War Eagle Cam, welcome back. I hope you're on the show Monday. Uh, I've been telling Ryan that I want you to come back on the show, and and um, so, but. Yeah. Um, but Ryan, if we're down follows tomorrow, if he has any questions what uh, what I'm gonna be doing in April, what when I'm gonna be doing, uh, like I said, I will tell I will uh, answer that and I'll give an answer next Monday. If he has any questions. And by the way, I talked to a friend of mine in Tallahassee, Sean's fire for calling you not calling you All right, Sean's fire, we got that. And but if you if you can tell what I see, if you have any question, what I'm swimming in April, like I said, I will give them the answer next month. I'll talk to you guys and 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 make sure Tom behaves. Hey Cam, what's up, man? Can you and JP help uh, Brooks and and Ryan to uh, keep Tom straight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's, TP and I will keep Tom straight, man. He's a handful. We need all the help yeah. we can get. Yeah, he's not easy to uh, keep keep on the right path, but we do our best. All right. Well, hey, you guys, War Eagle, hope you pull off the win tonight. And um, what do you guys think about the game uh, against uh, Ole Miss Saturday? Uh, when are you guys going to be at the game today? Uh, I believe Brooks will be at that one uh, working it. Uh, as far as the, the game itself, yeah, that's a top 25 matchup. Ole Miss has is, is played really good basketball. I think that maybe we we probably wrote them off a little too early when they lost to Tennessee decisively. They have recovered emphatically, scored 100 on Florida, uh, and then beat Vanderbilt pretty easily. So I know they've not played the best competition, but they've certainly got some teeth to them. So that will be a very interesting game, but Auburn being at home will help a lot. Hey, but hey, can JP? Do you think Auburn can score 104 against um, Ole Miss? It's gonna be like in the 60s or. Well, I mean, 104 is a lot to ask for. A lot to ask from, but uh, I mean, it, it. I mean, it could happen, but um, I wouldn't expect it against Ole Miss because Ole Miss has looked uh, pretty good this year. I mean, I'd just be happy if Auburn was able to get a win over Ole Miss because. Uh, Historically, Ole Miss has done pretty well against Bruce Pearl, or they've given him a lot of fits. Well, hey, hey who would you, who, what Auburn player would you fit on Alan Flanagan? What guard? Uh, Did you ask who will Alan Flanagan guard or be guarded by? Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, Chad Baker Mazar would probably be uh, the pretty natural matchup there. They're, they're kind of similar if you just look at them. They're, they're, they're lefty, the hair's flopping around, pretty big guys on the wing. Uh, similar skill sets, honestly. They're both they're used differently now. Ole Miss asked Alan Flanagan to be one of their best players. Baker Mazzara uh, is one of Auburn's better players, but they don't necessarily ask him to score the way Ole Miss asked Flanagan to score. So I definitely think they'll be matched up against each other. Like I said, I'll talk to you guys uh, Monday. And Ryan, if we're working, I'll let you do some trivia Monday. All right, we'll see what we can do. All right, JP, you guys, Warrior, you guys have a good day. You too. Appreciate you too, that. Man. Appreciate that phone call, Matt. That is Matt from Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us 
on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We are going to go ahead and take our next time out on the show. Canberry TP Hammock joining us on this T-Pizzle. Wednesday edition of the program. We'll be right back after this timeout. <laughs> please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 this is andy bertram voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, TP Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Let's talk a little basketball as we near the midway point of the show day. We'll get back to Auburn's defensive coaching staff a little bit, also some portal news, all that good stuff. So we'll get back to that, but uh, basketball has been brought up a couple of times now. So let's go ahead and preview the game tonight against Vanderbilt. Again, the Commodores, just everything about them screams the bottom of the SEC. Uh, That is just how it's gone for them this year. Uh, Honestly, last year, if you'll recall, they were not off to a great start either. However, they then got very hot, very, very hot towards the end of the season. Nearly made the NCAA tournament. Many thought that they had a shot at getting in. They interplay tonight just 5-11. Overall, and look, it is one thing to be 0-3 in the conference because that can happen. You look at their slate of games, it's very understandable. They lost to Alabama by three at home. Alabama's not lost yet in the SEC. Vanderbilt lost at LSU by eight. It's a road game. You know, LSU's not awesome, but again, road game, you can excuse it. And then they lost at Ole Miss by 13, a little bit more of a margin there, but uh, Ole Miss had scored 100 against Florida the game prior, and they only scored 69 against Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt did a nice job uh, defending Ole Miss right there. And so I think that they are showing signs of improvement. However, the record is the record. And when you have had some of the poor non-conference results they had, they lost to Presbyterian 
to start the year. They ba- they barely beat uh, South Carolina Upstate and Central Arkansas. Uh, they got housed by Boston College. Boston College ain't great. Uh, lost pretty easily to San Francisco. Lost by double digits. Yeah. Lost to Western Carolina by a point. Who almost uh, beat Sanford last night. That's true. Sanford Buckyball's a lot yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Up in Birmingham. You know, to be fair, on the other side of things, Vandy says, well, almost beat Memphis. They're number 10 in the country now. Lost 77-75 in that one. Also played a six-point game with NC State. NC State might actually end up being the third-best team in the ACC, fourth-best team. It, it's Carolina, it's Duke, and it's a bunch of other frauds. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. ACC, NC State, Miami, Clemson, they're all okay. Someone will probably make the NCAA tournament, but uh, the ACC is a stark contrast from their top two on the way down. So they, they, But they hung around that one. There's just not much meat on that Vanderbilt bone, though. Uh, the real factor no. here is Auburn going to Vandy. Auburn also hosts Vandy at the end of the month. That'll be a game where I'll get probably a little bit reckless on the prediction of that. But at Vandy, that, that road game, and it's not even about the crowd. It's about that incredibly weird court. Weird. So weird. how confident, not that Auburn is better or should win or should be favored, anything like that, but how confident are you in Auburn's ability to make this a, not necessarily a runaway, but make this a game that you're not sweating for 40 minutes? Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm pretty c- I'm pretty comfortable that they'll be able to do it. Uh, like I was, you know, saying with Matt, this team is really, really complete. They they can beat you. They're they're ten deep. They can beat you in multiple ways, whether it be on the inside or they can shoot the ball um, relatively decent. Um, they they've been able to kind of be more efficient with their shooting uh, and just selecting what threes that they're taking. They're not shooting them at an insanely high clip. They're just trying to. They're they're. They're taking patient shots when they, when the three when it comes to the three point shot and I and I I really really like that so uh, I I think that that will absolutely play a part I, I I have faith that this team will be able to uh, hold their own but hey I mean, I mean you know this Vanderbilt team like like you said they they've been in some close games and they've almost beat some pretty decent teams so they have plenty of fight left in them um, you know they they made it really difficult for. Um, uh, Alabama when they were at Vanderbilt so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they come out kind of with their hair with the hair on fire really trying to trying to cause some problems for Auburn uh, they just have to weather that storm but I think this is a really disciplined team um, and they should be able to um, you know get get the win at, at a, at a um, I, I won't say easily but I think I think it'll be like a 10 point game going into halftime and then it'll kind of just by the end of the game it'll be like a, a 15 to 20 point win so I, I agree with you on that you know I think you know I think Auburn's just really good this year I think Steve does have a point he brought up the timeout thing and that that is something that has bothered me and I know it's not a huge deal and it yeah. hasn't I know I know Bruce is right I agree with you on that where he said he doesn't want them to get that rest and I can agree with that and I didn't think of that until then I just hope it doesn't cost Auburn later on nevertheless I don't think it's going to be a problem tonight I I'm we'll get the stats though and historically Auburn has not done well against Vanderbilt especially on the road no but here's the thing a lot of those factor in with the Barbie era and whenever Auburn was just really just 
Most errors. Yeah, just honestly, just, most just, of them. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but they've recently done really well outside of the loss last year off the buzzer beater. Uh, they've played a lot better, but in Nashville, I mean, they had a six point win in 2020-2021 and then they had a 11 point win back in 2019 in Nashville so uh, they historically haven't played that well up there but this is also not a great Vanderbilt team those Vanderbilt teams were uh, you know Vanderbilt was getting hot last year and Auburn you know wasn't that great in those years or they were figuring stuff out so I think Auburn can win I think they can cover Um, I just think it just matters I think if Auburn starts off hot and they put their foot on their throat I think they can really handle Vanderbilt, but uh, I think if they let them hang around for a bit, you can start to let Vanderbilt believe and make it a little bit closer than you want. But I agree. I, I do think that uh, Auburn has every chance in the world to make this a comfortable win. Uh, look, you know, on a neutral floor, I would say Auburn <clears throat> about fifteen to twenty points better uh, at, at Neville. I mean, again, we'll 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 see what that line ends up becoming and and how this game goes first. It, it's just a trivial thing on the road in this league uh, and 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 in college basketball. I mean, good teams, good teams, top twenty five teams go five hundred on the road in conference play. Great teams lose two or three times. Like that, that's just how it is, and it doesn't mean the other team is better or even that close. But there can be some weird ones. Now, this one would have to be a really weird one. Again, I'm not setting you up to say I think Auburn will actually lose tonight. But I would be very impressed with Auburn. And, and look, you feel free to disagree because Vandy is not good. I'd be very impressed if it's comfortable all the way through the second half. I, I really would. I, I think there will at least be a couple of tenuous moments. Uh, and I think that Auburn will probably not shoot the ball very well. I, I just just yeah. going off this team – which I understand has had promise. We're 16 games into this. It's a 33.5% three-point team. That's better than last year. Last year was around 30, but that's still about average in the scope of college basketball. That's not by any means going to be on a scouting report saying, you just can't let them do that. You know, It, it is an average shooting team from the perimeter. And to me, I, I can just envision Auburn not hitting shots tonight. Now, the reason I still think they're going to win and still win by about what the line says – which is 11.5, is because of just the overwhelming balance and depth. And those are two really great things to have. Balance and depth, you can say those two words and talking about Auburn basketball the rest of the year, and you're going to look smart for doing it because that is how they are doing what they're doing. Other Bruce Pearl teams really, really, really needed to make threes or they really, really needed to get in transition. And those two criteria are not really there this year for Auburn. Auburn can be better versions of themselves by hitting more threes, of course. That goes for any team. But there are some Bruce Pearl teams in years past where it's like they're not shooting the three well. If they're not up in the mid-30s, I mean, that, that I just you're just not scoring 80 points. Like it's just, over. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all over. You're just not going to attain a certain level. Uh but this year, that has not been true. And also, when they get in transition this year, they have been far better in transition this year than they have been last year. And some of that is just being a scotch better at three, so you're creating open threes in transition. But it's also the array of bodies that they're able to throw towards the rim uh, and the passes that they're guards. Because, look, when you're in transition, what messes up transition offense? 
It's really not the defense. You can do all you want, but if it's three-on-one, two-on-one, yeah. three-on-two, there's only so much you can do yeah. as a defense. How you mess that up is you settle for a three that's somehow still contested, right. which does happen in the college game sometimes. That's never a good shot in transition. Or you have a poor shooting team, so they can't hit their open threes. Or you don't make the nice pass down low to take advantage of that last three-on-one defender, that last defender that's tried to position down there. When with this college game going away from the charge, it is incredibly hard to draw a charge now. It really has to be the push-off variety. You really can't get in front of people in time the way they've called it this year. Bruce was right about that. There's just not many ways to defend transition. So Auburn has done a really good job of capitalizing their transition when they get that. So their balance, their ability to not rely on the three, to have a couple of guys like Broom and Williams that can really do work seven, eight, ten feet from the basket, but the ability to step out for some, the ability for Holloway to hit a deep three, the ability for obviously Baker Mazzara, who's really come on as a shooter. We thought he would, but he was off to a slow start. Uh, even Williams has a three-point shooter. I mean, again, they've, they've got some guys. Jalen Williams, 41% from three. Like, again, you just – That you, that, boy hooping. You watch the, the motion, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, but it works for him. He is the highest percentage guy on the team. Baker Mazzara is, I believe, second at, at 39 and a half. There's some guys in the mid-30s. But uh, they have that ability, too. It's still in there. It just can't be the sole thing they do or the biggest thing they do. Uh, so again, that balance will carry them. And then the depth, because I remember some people have pointed out this year when Janiah Broom does have a bad game or when Holloway's off and that's happened several times, but just when one of your studs is not playing like a stud, but when you've got eight or nine guys that you really think can score the basketball, you, the odds are four or five of them will on that night. You only got four or five guys and two of them off. <laughs> You're going to ask the other two to score 30 or 25, and it's going to be a very thin margin of, of error. But when you've got, I would say, Janiah Broom, Jalen Williams, Aiden Holloway, Chad Baker, Mazzara, I still would probably even include KD and Denver Jones. I think all of those guys, which is six to be exact, are capable of a 20-point game. Now, they will come in waves. You know, Katie Johnson not going to score 20 very often, but he can score 20 points. He absolutely can. And I think Denver can too. He averaged it at FIU. He's not really done it at Auburn. He's not had the volume, but I believe he could do it. So you got about six guys that score 20. You feel good about Trey being able to score 10. You know that Chaney can have a spunky 10. Like, again, you've got a bunch of guys that can score in the double figures. They won't do it every night. They won't be asked to do it a lot of nights, but. It's all in there. So that's the depth, and the previous point was about the balance. Let's talk <clears throat> about strategy with timeouts, since that has been a, a, a rarer topic, but it's something that has come up this week. Of course, it was a 21-2 run from LSU. Cut it from a 28-point game down to nine, and that spanned over about 13 minutes ago in the first, uh, the second half, late 12, around 13 minutes, to about six and a half, six. So it happened in about a seven- or eight-minute window. Uh, not that you have to necessarily go through the exact moment that you'd call timeout there, uh, but where are you on timeouts? What would be your um, kind of framework and mindset? What what would you be wanting to see into why you would need to call a, a momentum-stopping timeout? So I actually 
didn't have a problem with Bruce not calling a timeout. Um, I thought, I mean, I understood his his strategy, you know, when he's saying I didn't want them to rest. But I also thought it was good for Auburn to be able to weather the storm. Because, I mean, we I think we all understand basketball is a game of runs. That's just how it is. Um, you know, I, I mean, Auburn kind of went on a semi-quasi-extended-ish type of run just to build up the lead that they had. I mean, they just kind of were consistently being, you know, had the ability to score, um, especially, you know, in the in the first half and then just kind of extended that lead in the second half. And then, you know, LSU went on that run. Well, again, it's a game of runs. And to be able to withstand that run, okay, yes, twenty-one to two run, and they were they were hitting some they were hitting some good shots. Uh, they had a guy who hit who went on just like a nine-zero run by himself. He hit three threes in back to back to back possessions. Uh, so you know he kind of got hot, and that kind of is it helped to spark that run. But again, you just weather the storm, and then Auburn did got the lead got down to nine. And then I think it was just they, they hit the under timeout or something like that. I think they hit the under, what, the under four timeout or something like that. And uh, that's what ended up, you know, causing uh, a stoppage in play, uh, which I think that's what Bruce kind of just knew was going to happen anyway. At some point, the ball was going to stop and it was going to be get to the under whatever timeout. And OK, that's when we stopped the run. He wasn't going to call a natural time or he wasn't going to call his own timeout because there was going to be a natural timeout anyway, just for media. Um and maybe that's something that he just kind of knew was going to ha- – I mean, I think he knew it was going to happen eventually. Uh, and so in that instance, I think you just kind of – I mean, I think you wanted them to figure it out because you're going to have to figure it out sometimes. And I think at that point in time, I thought he – you know, I thought Auburn was able to get out of it and figure it out and, and get uh, – I mean, they ended up winning by 15 points. So you were able to figure it out and and – still get a double digit win and still look decent so i i i see what bruce was saying you know who am i to question the man has won over 200 games at Auburn. i mean the man knows how to coach let's get one thing straight but uh you know it was just such a you know, I'm not going to question the man calling the timeouts. He's always been a little bit more lenient on when to call a timeout and when not. And that that's, you know, he knows his team. So, um, it was just such an odd run because like Cam said, they made like five straight three pointers in a row whenever they got down like 28, like that, that never happens in the game of basketball, especially in college basketball on the road where the team is struggling the whole entire game from three. They automatically, they just randomly come out firing. And so I I felt like Auburn got, I wouldn't say rattled, but I think they kind of got a little like, confused on what was going on and then Auburn and, and then, they took their foot off the gas this yeah. is a lesson as well oh no, yeah opinion, I was you know? I was just about to get to that that's the part that got me was it wasn't the defense because it looked like they kind of got discombobulated and, and LSU started to go to the paint which is what they really were good at going into that game and Auburn really shut them down and they're not a great three-point shooting team but just the random spurt of threes kind of like set them off track but the thing that I would say that was a little the reason why LSU got back in was Auburn started walking up the court. They weren't running their offense. They'd wait until about the eight-second mark, and then they would take a bad shot. That's not how Auburn got out to the big lead. It was through fast-paced, good stuff like yes. that. Like, good, get Baker Mazar open, get Broom open down low, you know, get Katie Johnson to the layup, you know, get someone open on the perimeter. It just felt like I didn't have that much trouble with the timeout on defense because it was just a random – random spurt of college basketball it was just 
the offense slowing down, I would have called a timeout and told told the guys, if I was Bruce, I would be like, we just need to start running our offense again. And I feel like they eventually did get back to that, and that's how they were able to close out the game. So I've spent some time thinking about it over the last couple of days. It's really honestly a topic I didn't think much of until Monday. In uh, the moment on Saturday, was just a little more flustered that it had happened. Because when you get big league, big league, excuse me, big leads, I'm trying to say big leagues, when you get to the big leagues and you're <laughs> Wrong a prospect, sport. <laughs> yeah, when you get big leads, the last thing you want to have to do is rewin the game. Like once you've won, you like you've gotten a 25, 30 point lead in the second half of a basketball game, or I mean, second half of anything, and I mean football, anything. The last thing you want to do is you have to have another sequence where you have to rewin the game because momentum is such a trivial and quick changing fragile. thing. It's so fragile. And when you're there, like you can feel it on TV, but when you're there, you feel it and you just understand it. Now, at home, if things are not going your way, it can be a little harder to figure out and be on top of because you're trying to figure out the angst level. You're trying to figure out, you know, at what moment is just too much because when you're at home, just by hitting a shot and getting a stop, you re-win momentum pretty quickly. And especially at Neville, at any moment after else you hit a few threes, if Auburn hits a three and blocks a shot, momentum's changed back. LSU might have gained seven or eight points on the scoreboard in that sequence, but momentum changes back just like that. It's on the road where you have to be very quick with it. And so, look, I am not really big uh, critical of not calling timeout in that situation. I think it's more a lesson not on timeout usage, but on play it through. I, I can't, I can't make you as human beings think that with four minutes left and a twenty-five point game, they could still win. But fake yourselves into thinking you got to keep playing. And I know in that situation, it was 28 with about 13 minutes left. Obviously, even then, I think we all were like, yeah, Auburn's won. And to be fair, LSU needed to play a perfect 13 minutes, but they played a perfect six or seven, and they made Auburn have to kind of re-win it just a little bit in the last three or four minutes. And so, if anything, learn to at least – I can't make you play through the tape, but play closer. Play damn closer to that. Um, because – it's human nature, and I think Auburn just revealed it's human nature. It's all that happened. Like, you know, it's twenty-eight points. Do you know teams will struggle score thirty points in a twelve-minute span on Auburn's defense? Let alone make up a thirty-point difference. And so they've just got to do a better job of getting the thing closer. Because my argument would be, if Auburn was up thirteen, then they would not have thought the game was over. They would have still been playing. The whole reason this happened is Auburn started to chill. And that is not unique to Auburn. Teams do that all the time. It's just that LSU was on their way to executing perfect minutes of basketball. Uh, and it's very hard to do that even for five minutes, and, and LSU was doing that. So that emphasized the need for Auburn to get back on it, and it took a long time for them too. So, again, it's it's human nature, and they revealed that. But you got to fight human nature a little better than that, and you've just got to play it through a little bit more. Now, again, like I said, on the – Road side of things, <clears throat> I would say 
man, you would have called a timeout probably after the third three. I, I think it was 28 points and the LSU at four straight threes. I think probably after the third three, certainly after the fourth. If, if, if a team hits four threes in four or five possessions and you haven't scored, you're calling timeout the road. I don't care what score is. If they could have been up 45. <laughs> they could have been up 45 with 10 minutes left of 85 to 40, and I still would have called a timeout if you hit four straight threes while on the road. So, like, hey, guys, clock's not going to be a running clock. Got to play 10 or 11 more real minutes. Let's 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 think about this for a second. So I think that the situation is different, home and road. And I think that if Fandy uh, has a – hopefully not, but if they have a 12-0 run, I think Auburn's calling timeout. And I think that you should on the road, really regardless of situation, because when you are on the road, it is harder to change that momentum than when you're at home. You don't need one basket, you need two. You don't need one stop, you need two. Uh, you need multiple things to go your way. They hit one shot, they regain it. You hit two shots, you still haven't regained it. So it is it is a more fickle thing, and you have to do a more in-depth job on the road. So you call a timeout, you get their crowd to just – you can't yell forever. You get the crowd to calm down, and then you go to work, and that's kind of the way that you uh, help momentum out a little bit. We're going to take one final timeout here. In this four o'clock hour, stay tuned. More sports call ahead. A little bit more on basketball, but about to transition back into some more portal stuff. Again, the latest from Auburn, not today, but yesterday on the transfer portal. Also, the latest on Auburn's defensive search for one more defensive coach to join the football staff. And again, if we have time in the five o'clock hour, a little bit more on the NFL head coaching vacancies as well. You're listening to. The Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. A few minutes left in this hour, about six or seven minutes to be exact. Let's again shift the conversation a little bit into the player news from yesterday. Again, want to go back over that briefly. And really player news from uh, really the last couple of days because Auburn saw two more players hit the transfer portal they also saw one more player arrive via the transfer portal so again yesterday's news was pretty surprising donovan kaufman auburn safety and auburn linebacker starting linebacker cam riley hit the transfer portal uh which again was uh i'm i'm trying to go through all the rules i'm still not exactly sure that you why you could 
get so, in the portal yeah. if you're an Auburn player. I don't know. I don't know either. I guess that's, I, I guess grad transfers <clears throat> can though, right? Yes. Because that's what well, yes, you're right about that. So that that was the rule, and what threw me off was Riley was not a senior, he was a junior, but you can still graduate in three years. It happens all the time. So those two at the portal. So guys, thoughts on two pretty impactful departures there. Yeah. So, yeah. Go, go ahead, TP. Yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised with Kaufman because Kaufman got a good amount of reps at yeah, the uh, slot he corner. He did. Cam Riley, I, I I, think I could see him maybe – he may have lost his job. I'm, I'm not as surprised by that either. Yeah. I, 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 I maybe just because of the freshmen that we have coming in. I'm not saying that they're going to be instant impact and all that stuff, but you got Asante coming back. DJ Barber is supposed to be pretty good. Riddick – Probably yeah. gonna be pretty decent as well. Yeah, so. yeah. I think I think Cam Riley. I think he might have seen the writing on the right, wall. I don't right. think he was going to get as many reps. And uh, and uh, yeah, but the only one that was surprising was Kaufman. But I think my only now I don't know this for certain. The only thing that I could imagine why is I guess he may think that the the guy from Texas. I, I'm blanking on his Jaren name. Jaron Thompson. Yes, uh, Mr. Thompson. I think he may he may fill that role. He may yeah. not. But um, we wish them the best though. Yeah, and we'll go over Thompson here uh, if we have time a little bit later, but we do want to go ahead and get one more phone call in in this 4 o'clock hour, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Man, guys, doing great. Trying to stay warm just like everybody, I guess. Yes, sir. Dang, uh, yeah, man, uh Hey, I I do want to talk some college basketball because have you been following my mighty Georgia Bulldogs? Uh, yeah, they've been doing pretty well. They they won they at South Carolina well. last night and and uh, were hanging yeah. around with Tennessee the other week. Yeah, yeah. So and and I figured I better start learning the rules of basketball and stuff because <laughs> it was what after recruiting after the recruiting uh, day and Auburn with their top ten class there. Uh, uh, Stephen put us on notice that you know they're coming for us and stuff. And I tell you, I, I was I was little shaken then, but I, I think that the rest of the conference is probably come unnerved here uh, today uh, with the, the the I mean with the just with the words that the sub offensive coordinator of Auburn has put out that they are going to be a physical. Offensive, you know, and they are going to, you know, try to get the best players and put them in the best position. And, I mean, just more physical. I mean, I guess everybody else ought to just send it in and just go ahead and give Auburn this championship this year. Because, I, mean, I, I mean, with words that like that, that's unheard of for an offensive coordinator. I haven't heard words like that since, uh, what, Leffler. I think Leffler <laughs> said the same thing. You know, oh so, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, so I, I figured out basketball. If you shoot inside the arc, you get two points. Oh, if, no. you're outside the, if you're outside the arc, you get three points. And if there's 50, if there's a minute left in the game, you've got 30 more minutes worth of basketball to watch. <laughs> well, that, that ain't you that know, the truth there. I, I have got it all figured out, and I, I'm just hoping Georgia can turn around and become a basketball school like Auburn. And uh, uh, I just, you know, since you were talking about basketball, I just wanted to give you all a call just so you can hear my voice, okay? Well, that, hey, we, we always appreciate hearing your voice. And now uh, 
you'll get back to what you're really talking about, and I appreciate you <laughs> taking my call. Stay warm tonight. Will do. You too, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, uh, poking some fun at our good pal Steve, uh, who uh, was was quoting the Derek Nix uh, article, I believe, from earlier today. Uh, yeah, a lot of them say you want to be fast and physical. Those are not uh, not groundbreaking words, but uh, certainly need to give lip service to them and, and uh, yeah. have that be the goal. And whether you can achieve that goal, that will determine if you – are a good football team or not? Um, yeah, we uh, we were talking some college basketball there. Also, did want to finish our thought uh, on the these portal guys again. Kaufman and Riley in the portal for Auburn. Uh, Jaron Thompson of Texas uh, in the portal out of Texas coming to Auburn. That's two Texas players. Uh, Auburn has landed now. Uh, remember, they got D'Angelo uh, Trill Carter, a defensive lineman from Texas who'd played a lot of football for the Longhorns a couple weeks ago. Right. And then Jaron Thompson, uh, who'd been starting safety for them for a couple years. Uh, 2022, he had 83 tackles Ooh. in that position. Last year, tackle department went down. He had 38 tackles, but he did have three picks. I think he also had a pick of Jalen Milrow in that Texas and Alabama game. Uh, so Thompson will uh, – I'm, I'm going to think for all the world it's going to be one of your starting safeties next year. So that will be – a pretty direct replacement uh, in some ways for Kaufman. And I honestly think that you guys were right about Cam Riley. I think he did improve this year. Obviously, he needed some improvement from his sophomore year. I think he did get better. However, I think when you look at Dorian Mozzie of Duke, who had 61 tackles, three and a half for a loss last year for the Blue Devils on a good defense, not not the not your standard, oh, Duke's three and nine type of team. Uh, and then also the uh, five-star Demarcus Riddick, uh, coming over as a linebacker in the middle there, I think that there's going to be great competition at that position anyway. So, I it, look, it was surprising, and again, late in this process, as we said, I mean, it even tripped me up for a moment. I was trying to think of the connection of why they could get in the portal. You're right, it is about uh, the graduate part of it, but uh, I think that Auburn has already kind of gotten some guys in those positions, and a little bit later when all the dust settles, we're going to go through them all. And I've because I've already been working on this a little bit preliminarily in the uh, in the office, and how it almost feels like free agent swaps and trades, uh, and how you've got a position leaving, position entering, and guys from different schools, and so we'll go over that more detail later in the off season. But it is pretty fascinating when you look at some of that when you're looking at tight ends, and linebacker safeties, all that sort of thing. So we are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, a sports called Five at Five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Also more on the portal. More on the college coaching carousel, more on Auburn's football staff. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. 
Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, we certainly appreciate you for tuning in Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We are in to our number three, a Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeast Land Group is coming up in just a few minutes. However, do have more transfer portal news. We don't want to change topics until it is time to do so, and there's no more news. There's always more news in the portal, to be fair. However, Auburn just landed another commitment, and that is from Alabama transfer Antonio Kite, a corner uh, who was formerly a four-star prospect uh, two years ago. He redshirted his first year, was active for Alabama this year, and so Auburn gets a uh, pretty coveted player out of high school, four-star player in Antonio Kite. Again, that's another DB for a, a DB room that needed a, a lot of new bodies. I know they got a few in the uh, the recruiting class, obviously, but transfers have maybe a better opportunity to play right away. And so Antonio Kite now in the fold, uh, one of Alabama's many players to hit the portal over the last week or so. Guys, any thoughts on Antonio Kite transferring in from Alabama? Yeah, um, I got the chance to see him in high school. Uh, Antonio Kite, nicknamed Spooty. He is just an he's just a really talented player. Um, I know he played uh, football and basketball. He's just incredibly gifted. But uh, I got the chance to see him play against St. James in the first round of the playoffs about two or three years ago. And uh, he was just – incredibly talented plays really good corner i mean he's just everywhere um you know and i know he didn't play that much at alabama but let's be real here not many people can play at alabama i'm not saying that it's an indictment on him i'm just saying that you know it's alabama but um and as a freshman yeah and as a freshman but i think he'll come in i think he'll be able to get some good reps at auburn and um you know i'm just really excited to see uh what he can do for auburn i think that's a big move to get him with the like you said the cornerback room did need some help and so um you know he may not play this year you know you can develop him and uh with charles kelly and uh you can or and with the new defensive staff that you're bringing along and uh you can make some things happen interesting okay just reading this antonio kite is only the second alabama scholarship player of the modern era to transfer to auburn with running back Corey Corey grant Grant in 2011 being the other it has never happened from auburn to alabama as far as any of us have known i don't know i don't i don't think so either if I, i can't think of any off the top of my head um so man, that's yeah, certainly that's, flips all yeah. the time. Yeah, I, I mean, in high yeah. school, but, right, but, right, yeah, but not scholarship to, to, guys. Right, once you go from like Alabama to Auburn, or, or once you once you commit to one school or the other, you know, once you go to one right. school or the other, it's so rare you you never see that. Right, well, um, it's, you know, it's the same kind of dynamic in basketball, right. Carolina do. Yeah, you you'd you never know, see you that. Just, it, it's it's just weird. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like ah ah, but I mean. Great, a uh, great addition to the DB room. Great. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he will get plenty of playing time. He should, uh, should bring some instant impact. And uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, another another addition to an already really solid uh, defensive back room. Absolutely, and of course, again, not to throw people off. Again, he has been at corner for Alabama. He has not played much, but he was recruited as a four star safety. So you might see some safety, some corner. And maybe Auburn will kind of tinker around with what to do based off a of need there. But uh, four-star safety in high school, corner at Alabama out of Anniston. 
and uh, Antonio Kite headed from Alabama to Auburn here in the transfer portal. All right, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Going to mix things up just a little bit, uh, change the conversation around again. And again, it is brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property property for you. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. For this, there's still a different form of conversation I want to have around NFL head coaches than what we're about to have. However, for this segment, for this 5 at 5 segment, I wanted to list off five of the most notable names available in this coaching carousel cycle in the National Football League and talk a little bit about their prospects and what would make sense for them and the intrigue around some of these guys. So let's start off with this. Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five names to watch in the NFL head coaching carousel. Number one. Got to start with Bill Belichick, obviously. Belichick in... Leaving New England, uh, parting ways there uh, after a incredibly successful tenure with the Patriots. Of course, Belichick, we will kind of go through this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and name the five names, and we'll go through each one individually here. But Belichick from the Patriots does have some interest from some teams out there, most notably the Atlanta Falcons for right now. Uh, there could be some other moving parts to keep an eye on, but Bill Belichick certainly – uh, somebody that is going to want another opportunity. Uh, he's not going to want to sit this out a year uh, if he's already interviewing for jobs. So Bill Belichick is a name to keep in um, in mind for the por- uh, not for the portal uh, for the coaching carousel. The coaching number portal. two coaching portal. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, number two, Mike Vrabel, the uh, other another fired coach from Tennessee. Uh, Vrabel, a guy that led Tennessee to a one seed not too long ago with the Titans were not able to have much playoff success, but did get there a few years. Of course, things started to wane the last couple of years as Ryan Tannehill declined both in acumen and in health. And uh, of course, uh, still trying to ride Derek Henry late into his twenties there, but, uh, but Mike Vrabel and Tennessee part ways, he's a name to watch in the head coaching vacancies in the national football league. Number three, number three from the college game. Jim Harbaugh, usually you win a national championship and uh, there's not much uh, hoopla about the coach the next year or about (laughs) someone wanting another job or a bigger job. And there's not much bigger than Michigan, but there is bigger than Michigan if you go to the National Football League. And Jim Harbaugh's name has been floating around there for a couple of years. So Jim Harbaugh very much in conversations with some of these NFL franchises and uh, will be a fascinating potential domino effect depending on if he does actually leave, what Michigan will do and who will go there and what will be their head coaching situation. So that is going to be something uh, to watch for sure. Number four. (laughs) Number four, someone that uh, has been uh, well-regarded as an offensive coordinator is Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. I think for all the world, he is going to 
have a head coaching job in this cycle, but obviously if the Detroit Lions keep playing football, this is something that Auburn has to deal with with the Texans and Chris Kiffin. If your target keeps coaching football, you can't move on there and make that higher just yet. So Ben Johnson of the Lions, who's helped uh, the resurgence for Jared Goff, uh, is going to be a very interesting name there and someone that I think will absolutely end up with a head coaching job in this cycle. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, five head coaching names to keep an eye on here in this cycle. Number five. Number five I'm throwing at you is a bit of a wild card. I'm not saying he will take a job. I just find it interesting he's available. And if you're an organization, maybe you should think about it. But Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks, of course, no longer with the Seahawks as the head coaching role. I know there was some talk about an advisory role and all that, but you watch the Pete Carroll press conference, it just seemed like the guy uh, was not ready, was not ready to step away from the sidelines. So does he get an itch? Does another team try to make a a move there? Uh, Maybe possible. Well, We'll see what all comes open. Because, again, I could say that again, what all comes open – there could be one or two more jobs that open in the coming days. We'll see. Um, but but Pete Carroll's a guy that I, I really think that if you're trying to win right now and you want a three- to five-year timeline, can't think of very many better than Pete Carroll. So that's Sports Call 5 at 5. is in my Southeastern Land Group. Five head coaches to keep an eye on during this NFL head coaching cycle. Again, Bill Belichick. You got Jim Harbaugh. You got Mike Vrabel. You got Pete Carroll. And you got Lions offensive coordinator. Ben Johnson. All right, guys. So I want to get you in on some of these guys. Again, I wanted to look at it from a team perspective. We can do that maybe a little bit later in the week, maybe Friday or something, uh, just depending on time. Maybe tomorrow, tomorrow, we, Thursdays, we've done a lot of NFL throughout the, the season. But let's look at it from these individuals' perspective rather than some of the teams. Again, and let's start with Belichick. Belichick in New England was getting very close to the record. I believe he's 15 shy of the wins record, something in there, 14, 15 shy of the wins record. And uh, just a fascinating conversation came out of the last four years. I mean, let's just be frank. He did make one postseason, uh, Mac Jones's rookie year, I believe, th- uh, three years ago. Uh, however, really rough team this year. Worst Patriots team of the 21st century, no doubt about that. Uh Meanwhile, it did not help his case that not only that Tom Brady played good football in Tampa for three years before retiring, but also that uh, the the feeling was and is that Belichick kind of was the one that was like, we don't need him, and we don't have to go above me on. Remember, yeah. it's important to note again, Bill Belichick controlled the personnel of the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. He drafted them, he traded them, he signed them. He was acting as their GM. So their player personnel decisions were Bill Belichick's decisions. So it was Bill – I mean, at bare minimum, Bill Belichick did not offer Tom Brady a contract good enough to come back to New England. That's the bare minimum. If you want to go into he really thought he could win with someone else, if you want to go into he thought the weapons were enough, he wasn't going to uh, you know, give Brady more weapons, and right. that's why. Right. Whatever story you want to roll with, the bare minimum fact of the matter is Bill Belichick did not give Tom Brady a contract good enough to come back to New England, period, end of, end of story in that. So if you're a Bill Belichick, 
what job vacancy. I don't think Vegas is open. I feel like it'll be Antonio Pierce. Yeah, I think I, I think I, so too. If you I want agree. me to say I that, <laughs> if you want to say that as a vacancy, we can until it's not. So Vegas is open. The Chargers are open. The Carolina Panthers are open. The Atlanta Falcons are open. The Tennessee Titans are open. The Washington Commanders are opening, uh, are open. Excuse me, and I'm forgetting one. There's seven openings right now. New England's filled because of Gerard Mayo. There was eight right. at that time. That became seven. I'm forgetting one. Um, Seattle. Yes. Seattle's. No, yeah. Technically, they, they have yeah. not. They yeah, have not Seattle. named somebody. So there's seven openings. So if I'm Belichick, you're Belichick. Where would you like to go? Is there a fit for him? Should he wait a cycle? Do you care about the record? Should you just hang it up? So if I'm Bill Belichick, and I, I remember I, I was watching one of the talk shows and I heard Albert Breer, an NFL insider, talking about this. He feels like he's going to stay more on the East Coast. He doesn't think he's going to go out West, which makes me believe he's going to go to Atlanta. I, I would take the Atlanta job. And I know Cam's sitting over there. He may not like what I'm saying, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, He really doesn't like what I'm having to say. But that's okay because you would have <laughs> one of the winningest coaches ever. Now, granted, like you said, was it Brady made or not? So be it. He still is a winning football coach. And I think a lot of the stuff that happened with Atlanta the last three seasons fell on the head coach's shoulder. I think a lot of it was to blame on Arthur Smith for a lot of the – and I think some of it was on Desmond Ritter, but I don't know if Desmond Ritter is going to be a Falcon next year. But um, He'll be a Falcon. He just I was about to say, the starting, starting. a starting Falcon. Let me rephrase it. But uh, if I was Atlanta and I'm Arthur Blank, and, you know, Arthur Blank likes to go for – you know, he likes to go big. You know, he wants to go big. And I, I always applaud. I think Arthur Blank's a great owner. But uh, I would go with – if I'm Bill Belichick, I would take the Atlanta Falcons job. Cam, now you can <laughs> yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, as a Falcons fan, do not want that. As much as of a winning head coach that Bill Belichick is, I respect But that defense would be nasty. The defense was already kind of nasty. But okay, it's fine. It's fine. Yes, he's a defensive head coach. I, I would be fine with that. Yes, he'd make the defense good. But the offense, the defense wasn't the problem last year for the Falcons. It was the offense. And what do you do to rectify an offense? You get a probably really good offensive play caller. You probably get somebody like Ben Johnson. But we're talking about Belichick right now. So I would say I, I would really I, – I still have a feeling that the Dallas job is going to be open. I, I do think that McCarthy really had a very, very bad showing again in the playoffs. Um, and I think Jerry Jones would probably might, might be done with that. I'm surprised it hasn't come out at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I thought I, I, I really thought, I thought it was, it was the, the kind after. of hatred and yeah. de- the despise that would be like Monday at like Dude, 6 a.m. Yes. I, yes. I woke, I woke up ready to fire. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like I really thought that that was going to be the case. I really thought that that da- the Dallas job would be open. I still think there's a chance that the Dallas job becomes open. If I'm Belichick, I think that that's the chance that that's the, the job that you go for. But again, it's not open as of right now. Um, I mean, if he wants to stay on the East Coast, then I guess Atlanta would be your best option because the roster is in a is in a good good place right now. Uh, you have a lot of cap space, things like that. I just, I personally am not a fan of it because 
he's going to want the personnel thing. He gonna, he's going to want control over personnel. I think the GM, Terry Fontenot, has done a really, really good job with, with choosing contracts, with drafting, with things like that. And Bill, I mean, you saw it in, 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 in New England. Yes, he can draft the defensive guys, but on the offensive side of the ball, it's just not there. Right. He's missed on multiple wide receivers in the first round. The quarterback situation was not good by the end of the season for them. Yeah, Mac Jones had a good first year, but other than that, he's been pretty bad and abysmal. Um, and maybe if you get the right OC, then maybe that can be rectified and, and things like that. But, you know, he kind of brings in the same old guys. He doesn't change anything up necessarily. And, and that is some things that I have a problem with. He's not willing to adapt too much. I really don't want to lose our GM if I'm being 100% honest. I, well, I, you know, I... I will say I, I'm not sure that Belichick is going to demand that. It's possible. Yeah, I'm just not sure about it because there were rumors, there were reports that he was out of New England that, that, he, that he was willing to give that up. So yeah. that that's implied. That's probably one of the interview questions: is right. like how much control do you need to have of our yeah. personnel? Yeah, I, I I would be interested to see if that happens. Uh, yeah, you know, the quarterback situation for Atlanta obviously needs to be figured out. I think. That if you go if you go for Belichick, I think that you have about three more years with him to try. You know, he can try and get that wins record. You know, maybe you win a division, push for a Super Bowl if you can try. But again, you have to figure out the quarterback situation. So then, I don't think he's willing to develop a rookie quarterback. So that would lead me to think that the Falcons would make a push for the likes of Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson to to fill that void. As a f- and then you're pushing for a Super Bowl, you're doing things like that, you add some additional pieces, you probably draft the wide receiver, something along the lines of that, maybe sign something. But again, I don't I don't really want that for the organization. I want some continuity and longevity. And I that's why I want youth. Like I want a young head coach. I want somebody that is you know, an innovative play caller. And, and, and I just, Bill, Belichick is not that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The offense just was not good for the Patriots this past year. And I know there were, you know, issues with, I don't know. I think they had like, what the special teams guy or whatever, calling the plays for them or whatever, whatever, somebody from his coaching tree, because Josh McDaniels had been the head coach with the Raiders. I expect that Josh McDaniels, wherever Belichick ends up, will be the offensive coordinator for that team. So if that ultimately is the Falcons, I think that McDaniels is a solid offensive coordinator. But again, I think I think if you're Atlanta, you could do better. But that that's just me. About better. But than, if you're yes. Belichick, you would do Atlanta. Yes, one. if you're okay. Belichick, you would do Atlanta. Yes, you you would you would probably want that situation. If you again, if, if the personnel thing happens, if things like that. But if he's trying to stay on the East Coast, then yes, then I would I would I would say Atlanta because that's the best situation roster wise i think there's two spots for belichick and only two spots and one is probably got their eyes on a guy that just coached in the national championship game but i think if you're belichick your number one priority should be the chargers because you have the quarterback figured out period we got to look at this from a perspective of what does belichick at this stage of his career struggle with and it's identifying offensive talent and the Chargers and Atlanta are the two best of that, but the difference is the Chargers have a quarterback that everyone feels minimum top 10 guy, but real potential and legs for all the world to be top five, maybe even top three if you if you get it absolutely right. I would do the Chargers. I think you're coming from a very low place. You've got the offensive talent you need. 
And their defense was awful. Their defense was awful. And Staley was supposed to be a defensive guy. And they were right. trash. They were awful. So were your, can, your can handprint can be very effective there. Instantly. Because I think their offense is already good enough to be a top half offense. So you get that defense in the top 10, top 12. Okay, you're on to something. So I would say number one for him. I think Atlanta is number two if I'm Belichick. And again, I would I would say the list is no longer than two. I think the argument for Atlanta is that if you're not controlling the next quarterback is you have to agree to some degree on who you want that to be. But you know with your running backs, and Belichick loves running multiple running backs on one team, and you've got a tight end. Belichick loves – you really got two tight ends. Belichick loves the tight ends. You've got some of that in there with Atlanta to where, really, if you just find the quarterback, everything else about that offense is going to be to his liking. The defense was top 10 or 11 this year. You you have a really good foundation there. They spent a lot of money to, to fix it, and for a large part they did. Still need some pass rush, but, okay, that's draft. That's offseason stuff. So you're in a good defensive position there. You're in a good position. I also wonder if it's this, and I don't, I don't know Bill Belichick, but I try to study the man a little bit try to study everything going around the league. If he really wants 15 more wins, because he is 14 behind Don Shula. Shula is 347, Belichick's 333 right now. Does he, is there not a hint of him that maybe wants to win the division that Brady won? Is there not, not a little hint of, That's I want to go to the division. That sounds like Bill. That, and show you that I can do the same thing Brady did. And so for that reason... I, I think for him, I think Atlanta probably is the team he wants the most. Now, I, I again, I still argue that it should be the Chargers because of Herbert, but I think Belichick probably thinks, so you guys gave Brady all that credit for going to that piddly division, winning it a couple times and getting a Super Bowl out of it. I'm going to show you I can do the same thing. And again, Atlanta roster-wise is right there. I mean, they're, they're right there with Tampa and New Orleans. They're all... They're all somewhere yeah. in the 10 to 15, 16 range in talent. Tampa's probably in 15, 16 part of it. Atlanta, New Orleans, probably 12, 11, 13, somewhere there. Yeah. And so I, I just think that that is an underlying motivation. I think Belichick, without being outspoken about it or loud because he's not those, I think it bugs him that Brady gets more credit no matter what Brady says, no matter what Belichick says. And I think that he probably – wants to do what he can with the time he's got to try to, in his mind, correct the thought process on what happened for 20 years in New England. So that's just me. That's how I think that he's probably thinking. We'll get into the team side of this because I do want to get into Atlanta's thought of it. Again, that is the team that we cover here on Tiger 95.9. And I want to get into all these teams' perspectives because I think some teams have made some dumb decisions. I, I. I, I don't think Tennessee should have fired I Vrabel. Agree. I fully uh, agree. Um, I wish the Bears would have fired Eberflus. <laughs> How did Vrabel get fired before that man is beyond me? Yeah, that was, I'm that's furious. Another, that's a head scratcher <laughs> but, for sure. You know, and, and look, this could evolve too, and that's why I've tried to pump the brakes. Away. I was to be truthful. I was planning on doing something like this last Friday. We oh. just didn't have time for it because, again, of the the chaos going on in Tuscaloosa, and then with Auburn staff too a little bit. And so we're just now getting to the NFL side of this. But 
the team perspective is fascinating too because I think the Belich- I think that Cam is right in how he thinks about Atlanta's side of it, and I think that Belichick is right in his side of thinking of why he wants Atlanta. So I think that's a very interesting conversation to have. We will move along to another coach, and we'll have to take a timeout. I don't know if we'll even get to all five. Again, you talk about this for all day. Uh, I want to get to Vrabel, though. This is a guy I really respect, and this Same. is also a guy – I thought was going to be the next Patriots head coach. I did not realize, and look, to be fair, just to catch everyone up to speed, there was a clause in Gerard Mayo's contract that said he was going to be the next head yeah, coach. Yeah, nobody knew that. No what? one knew that. Nobody knew that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it yeah. was written in. It was I written had no in. idea. Now, teams can burn contracts all the time and get through nasty PR stuff and blah, 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 but they clearly for the last few years thought very highly of Gerard Mayo, and probably they should. Smart guy, great linebacker, played for him. Right. Totally get it. But they that was never a search. That was always going to be Gerard Mayo. We just didn't know it until Belichick actually retired and they were ready. So with Rabel not in there, I I have trouble on the team side of things. Seeing where he fits. Thing, the most obvious thing. Is there something to you on the Vrabel oh, side oh, of I things that answer. he wants? Tennessee. <laughs> Good answer, Cam. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> I don't know, though. That You know, one that I would actually be interested in seeing, I think Seattle would be decent. Okay. I think Seattle could be decent. I think you could build a, a, a solid you know, defense out there. And uh, you, have, you have Geno Smith already. You have some offensive weapons. You have a great running back. You, you, I mean, you, you have you – have, the pieces there, there's some, there's something there with Seattle. They have good head coaching. That would be some another some good continuity in head coaching. You go from Pete Carroll to, to Mike Vrabel. I think that would be a good move. Um, I, I could I could certainly see um, Seattle. So, could you imagine Mike Vrabel coaching Brian Burns and Derek Brown? He would have a field day. Now, granted. You have to deal with David Tepper, but <laughs> right, and, when, and that's a big grant. Yeah, that's that, a I mean, big, I mean, huge I mean, grant. You got two. You got two years. Turn us into a Super Bowl yeah, contender. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> yeah, but realistically, I think I, I would like to see him in Carolina. I know that that job is not considered to be the greatest right now, but you have Bryce Young, who you have a lot of years left on this deal because he's a rookie. You have Derek Brown. You have Brian Burns. You have a, they wasn't their defense last year. I, uh, you know, you saw their defensive coordinator was getting uh, head coaching interviews. It was the offense that was the problem. Always. And, and, you know, me and Ryan said it back in September. We thought Frank Wright was a fraud. And so <laughs> fraudulent. We did. We said it on we a did. Thursday yep. show. You did. We was and carried by was. Jonathan Taylor yep. and proved to be true. So and if he I, ever gets another head coaching job, we're going to immediately hate it. He yeah, should exactly. Not, he should be done. Exactly. So I think, you know, the Panthers defense has a lot of momentum. I think that could be their catalyst. You know, in year one, if you're David Tepper, who, like I said, he, he's very erratic, but if you hire Mike Vrabel, you want to see that first year defense improve. I think it will. I think it would be a really good defense and you can hire an OC or whatnot. But if I'm Vrabel, I'd go to Carolina and try to, you know, maybe get some uh, extra glue and maybe you can negotiate maybe a longer deal so you want to worry about your job security. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I would like to see Vrabel in Carolina. We're all kind of going a little different here. Um, you know, Vrabel, let, let's think of what – let's cook up why it ended in Tennessee, okay? It ended because Tennessee made personnel decisions that were – obviously going to harm them 
their GM decided they were not going to re-up A.J. Brown. They were not going to be able to pay for it, so they trade him. And you still, everyone still thinks of the image of, of Rabel in the, in, the, in the draft room kind of pacing around, and you just could tell like he was uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And they tried to take Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, try and be that next guy, and he has not been, mm-hmm. not at all. They they did sign DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins had more than people gave him credit for. He yeah, still had a thousand yard yes, year this year and and a plenty and, amount of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and so Hopkins was was a fair replacement. But the problem at that point is now Tannehill was just too far gone. Tan- Tannehill was always an average quarterback in the league, and when average falls off, it falls off a cliff. Yeah, I and agree. and so he and he's done. He'll never be a starter again. And they just—it's too too early to tell with Levis. He might end up being fine. He, he showed some promise yeah. in a couple games. His arm is huge, and uh, you know we'll see. But they—they they were in a win now mode with their aging running back, with signing Hopkins, and they won six games. And that's why the Titans ownership talked themselves into we just need to change everything. Yeah. So just real quick, sure. to, to I I saw something that said that. Vrabel and the Titans GM had philosophical issues on how oh, they wanted, yeah. they wanted the future to be Vrabel. I think I think Vrabel wanted to keep trying to win with who they had in terms uh, and and kind of stick with what they were going and I think that the GM kind of wanted to go to a younger approach and the, and I think they ended up kind of "Quote unquote meeting in the middle, and they they were kind of stuck in between. They kind of sure. seemed like they were stuck in between. So I think that had something to do with Vrabel also getting canned. So I'll give you two options, like I did for Belichick with Vrabel. I think Cam, you're on to something with Seattle. I think if you are Mike Vrabel, that is probably the job you want the most mm-hmm. uh, because that job is built to be hovering yes. around right now. Yeah. Now. Look, it, to be fair, Seattle's an organization that could go either way in the next couple of years. I mean, Geno is still an Solid. average quarterback in the league. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like, he's obviously a starter in the league now, which is not what he was four years ago. Though. Yeah. But what's your upside? What What's the rest of the team need to look like? So Seattle's not perfect, but I think that Vrabel can take that situation, which is, to me, not too dissimilar from what Tennessee was. For, for yes. several years, yes, and he can make the best out of that situation. He can get him in the playoffs again. I'm not sure if the upside's great there. Maybe Mike wants a better upside, but I think that he can get them into consistent playoffs, extend this out a little bit, keep the culture solid, uh, and 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 rebuild the physicality part of it, and and still be in a pretty good place. The other team, which I've thought about for him, which. I will admit this is probably more for our conversation later in the week about team and what a team should want, but I'm going to throw it in as Mike's point of view a little bit too. I would be interested in Washington. And Mm. the reason I'd be interested in Washington is they've got the number two pick in the NFL draft. So they're either getting Caleb Williams or Drake May, and that's always a really good place to be in if you are trying to rebuild something, is you are going to get a big-time – hopeful franchise quarterback and there's no ifs ands or buts about it you're at two no matter what chicago does with one you're getting one of the two and as you saw with houston this year maybe two's better like again drake is probably close enough to caleb williams where it's not necessarily damn didn't get caleb again i think this is truly two guys that are separate from the next three or four and they are pretty close to each other so you get that because 
Washington made some very questionable trades, including one with Chicago. They got good draft capital throughout. I looked this up. I don't I've never once, I promise you, it's never happened. I've never looked at the Washington Commanders draft capital before. I've never done a Google search <laughs> to tell me what exactly the picks are. Dude. And research that. But they've got number two pick. Yeah. They've got 35, 40, 66, 100, and 103. Uh, 103 is the beginning of the fourth round. 100 is basically the end of the third round. That was a Chase Young trade with San Francisco. They've got 66, which is their own. they got 40, which is high Solid. second round with Chicago. Yeah. they got 35. So they got two seconds, two-thirds. Nice. On top of having number two. And there's both seconds are great. That's a good bit of draft capital to start oh, rebuilding yeah. that awful defense that yes. they – was already yeah. bad, and they all went ahead they and put up. a hammer to yeah. him. Like, I don't want to be 28th. I want to be last. <laughs> I want to be last in defense. Terrible. Just the worst Get rid defense. of all the pass rush. <laughs> Do you remember what Miami did to Denver? We want that done to us every week. <laughs> it's what we want. So they've got a lot of rebuilding to do, and that also should dictate just an ounce of patience. It's very hard to be patient in the not-for-long league, but I think that – you can easily get two years, and if you just show any progression at all, you get a third year there. So you get your franchise quarterback right now. You help him. You develop him. You do it the way you want to do. Got some good receivers. And then you know that there are zero expectations on defense. You have the worst defense that exists in the National Football League. Just start to make it incrementally better. So I would be interested in Washington for him. I think that that not having to work with Tepper – separates those two and also getting your pick of the franchise right. guy rather than it having to be Bryce Young and you being at least mildly concerned with what happened this year would be the way I would pick it. Yeah. But I certainly think that that I really like that one for Washington. I'm not as sure on variable side. Right. Pause. Uh oh man, I had a question for you, Ryan. Okay, so you can ask me. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll ask you T B No faith in Sam Howell? Right? No, I. I mean, he, I thought he was fine. Right? I know. I, I know. I know. Okay. Ryan will have at a one point. So what? From what I saw from what Sam Howell, no faith in Sam Howell. So what I saw from Sam Howell, at least, I'm sure Ryan will have his opinion in just a second. There were weeks where he looked like an incredible quarterback. Then there were weeks where he looked worse than Tim Boyle. He's like James so, Winston, mean, bro. He is that. That is a very good description. <laughs> he fair. he can fair. throw for thirty touchdowns, but yeah. dang it, he's going to throw for thirty picks. Is well. so, that look a true thirty for thirty? Yeah, so, I think, and he could cut. He could learn to cut down on the turnovers. I think with Sam, and it's going to be hard to know, and you just can't pass up the two pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah. is that their offensive line is awful too? Again, like yes. they're just not a physical team. They just don't. They don't have any physicality. Um, how much can he actually develop and just be able to be better just by being able to not run for his life? Yes, and that's a fair thing to wonder. Yeah, if Washington was at five or six. Then they you could debate, debate that versus trading up or that versus Jaden Daniels or whatever. But at two, you just got to take Drake May or K Ones. And to be fair, they might have two Carolina quarterbacks. Uh, I was going to say a North Carolina. You know, I, mom's going to love it. Mom's a loved Carolina Washington quarter- since she was young. She's going to love that so much. Supplanting another Carolina quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So it's a like, Tar Heel. Can't go eat, wrong. It's can't a Tar go- Heel eat Tar Heel world. Right. Uh, so look, I think Sam. There's still a world where he's like the 17th best quarterback in the league, yeah. 15th best quarterback in the league. I but agree. 
but I just think that where they are, you you got to take that guy yeah. and have every intention of making the two pick the the future guy. Let's let's get one quick phone call. I know we have still not taken break an hour, so we're only going to be taking one break this hour. That is okay, but we want to go ahead and get to the orthopedic clinic phone line, have a great conversation. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you today? I'll be quick, guys. Just where do you think the dominoes fall for the starting quarterbacks like Justin Fields that they may, t- if they take a quarterback or if he gets dealt, where he goes? And where's C- Kirk Cousins fit into all that? Because I could see a team kind of looking at the Flacco situation and bringing, because I don't think Kirk Cousins is going back to the Vikings. I don't, th- I think they've kind of, you know, you know, going to move on. Uh, but where does he end up? Because I think he's got one or two good years left, and I could see a team maybe like Atlanta picking, you know, if, if they get, you know, Belichick, that maybe they take a shot at Cousins. And for one year, you got a guy that they could do something, or maybe New York, uh, the Giants. I know that they got Daniel Jones, but if you take a shot at a, a kind of a rent quarterback like Cousins or whatever, what would he do with, with Barkley and, and, and that kind of offense? Just where do you think Cousins lines up, and where do you think if they deal Justin Fields, where he ends up? Kind of, can you talk about that quarterback situation? And I'll hang up. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. We appreciate that phone call. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. So, all right, so the top of the draft and with the Bears. So Justin Fields, they have the number one pick. Obviously, they also have another top ten pick, and then with Kirk Cousins and the possibility that Minnesota uh, and Cousins might move on, right? That's interesting. I I don't know about the Justin Fields thing. I think I think he's played himself into a into the Bears at least having a conversation about trading the number one pick. I think uh, I think in the back half of the season he really showed some real promise. So they might end up trading out. Somebody might trade up for that number one pick and and go get Caleb Williams and or Drake May depending on you know who likes who better whatever whatever. Um, so that could surely be be interesting. I could see Justin Fields again. It just depends on who lands where coaching wise, right? Because if say if if let's just I'll say if Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick right ends up in Atlanta, I could see the Falcons making a trade with a second round pick to go get Justin Fields because they say, hey, we have faith in him and and we want we like what he, we've seen from him. He's a, he, he's from Atlanta. He fits whatever whatever, and he goes into a, he just you know. He's still a young quarterback, so he he and whoever like offensive style quarterback, uh, excuse me, offensive style head coach goes joins in Atlanta. I I could certainly see that, but again, I could still see him staying in Chicago. I I think I think a lot of guys like him a lot, and and with that, and then with Kirk, again, it's another thing with the coaching situation. Like I I could see him, um, you know, wherever Belichick lands, uh, uh, making a move, um. To, to go get that because he's a veteran quarterback and he understands the league very well, different things like that. Uh, so it, it'll certainly be interesting to see where he lands. And then the Vikings, that's an interesting thing as well because I'm not sure what the Vikings are doing. Where are they going to go at quarterback if they move on from Cousins? I guess they might have an opportunity to trade up. I don't know what pick they have in the draft. So uh, that could certainly be interesting as well. So the thing with Kirk Cousins, which um, I do know he has a no trade. Uh, oh yes, you're right. You're I right. thought his you're contract right. expires though. I think he's. I think he's free. I, th- I thought he had like one well, additional. I thought he year. had one more year. Yeah. I think he has one additional year. I could be terribly wrong. I just know that, and at least the old deal right. or the current deal, it has a no trade. No, it's a potential free. It says 
potential free agent. Yeah. Okay, so his contract's oh, wow. up. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. so he, so he's probably not returned to the Vikings. I think that's fair to say. Um, with the Bears situation with Justin Fields, as a proud Bears fan, and that pains me to say, uh, as a proud Bears fan, I would love to keep Justin Fields. I don't think it's been his fault. I think our offensive coordinator and I think our you, QB coach have been terrible. You have and not put him in a situation. We to have succeed. put him in terrible situation with a, uh, albeit a subpar head coach who hasn't really gotten the defense that good either. Outside of whenever he got Montez Sweat, so who I think is a great player. I think. I, I hope they keep him, but I'll be realistic with you. I think they're going to trade Justin Fields to Atlanta or Pittsburgh or somewhere like that. And uh, Oh, that would be and, interesting. And I think Mike Tomlin would do really well with him. And um, I guess we're going to draft Caleb Williams and bring him, you know, screaming and crying because apparently he doesn't like Chicago, which is fine, like whatever. But, you know, you won't have to deal with Ibrafus for very long whenever we go, you know, five and whatever, five and 12. So, uh but yeah, I think it's just going to be an endless cycle for Chicago. But uh, I, I don't, I don't get why we didn't fire him. But uh, you know, I think Fields, I think Fields will do well with Pittsburgh or with the Falcons or whatever. And I'd love to keep him. But at the end of the day, number one picks, number one pick, and it seems like the GM wants to go after uh, Caleb Williams. So my thoughts on Chicago are that they are in a beautiful yet ugly situation because. Everyone knows how great of a draft they could have this year. When you have those two picks that high and you have the number one pick, you are expected to change your franchise in a very positive manner. However, if they get it wrong in four years, we will look at it and say, wow, Bears. Yeah. Great job, guys. (laughs) We've been saying that for a long time, though. Let's get real here. And the Bears have never had – or at least not in a very, very long time, that dude at quarterback. Like, it's just not for them. Kyle Orton seemed competent for a while. <laughs> Rex Grossman. Jay, Jay, Rex, oh, Rex Grossman's who I'm thinking of. Rex Grossman. You know, Jay Cutler, Admiral Sadness. Matt like, Barkley. <laughs> like, again, it, it goes on and on. So it is a, it's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse with what they've got, and they need to take advantage of it. I... Look, I really think Justin Fields is starting to find something. I think that I probably, if I was Chicago ownership, would have fired Ibaflus and tried to find somebody to run offense in a more conducive way to to take advantage of Justin Fields. Um, And I also think Chicago, being the one pick, having that other pick, was it seven? Is that the other pick? Uh, Nine. Nine, I'm sorry, nine. Having that pick allows you to trade down if you want to and still get two excellent players. If you trade look, you could trade with Washington. They might you might scare them into another a, a future first or you might scare them into some some seconds or thirds, gain more capital, just keep Oklahoma City Thunder type of deal, just keep extending it and extending it. I think that it's either they're drafting a quarterback, they're drafting Marvin Harrison. I I, th- I think those are the two obvious solutions. If I were Chicago, as of today, January 17th, I know this is something we'll talk about all the way leading up to the draft. As of now, I would trade down to two or three, take Harrison, uh, and, and and not and keep Fields. That that would be me. Uh, but I agree that that you have to when you have the one pick and you have two amazing prospects, you have to at least think. So I understand that. As far as Cousins, um. I think 
there's an alternate universe. It's not this one, so I really shouldn't be bringing it up. There's an alternate <laughs> universe where, in my mind, Tennessee treads water better this year. They go eight or nine and eight. Vrabel stays. Tannehill's gone. This was his last year of his contract, and they bring in Cousins for a year or two. And they get him to kind of be a little better version of Tannehill. They extend it out with Rabel. They re-up Henry for one or two more years. And they give it another go in an AFC South, which has gotten a lot better a lot quickly. But, again, if they, they had treaded water better, I think that that might have been a Cousins landing spot. It's not now. You know, it just depends what kind of co- uh, coach Atlanta hires. Uh, it, de- it depends on how some of these coaches get hired. Vegas, has anyone thought about Vegas for him? Uh, I don't like Garoppolo if I'm Vegas. Yeah. I don't like it. I, uh, if I'm Ryan LaVoy, I don't really like Garoppolo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think Aiden O'Connell's a starter in the league. I also think that for now, for now, you still have Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. Yeah. That's a pretty good one, too. That's a good one, too, for yeah. sure. Um, so I would be, if I were Vegas, and I don't know the cap situation, I would be really interested in Cousins. I really would. Yeah. I and, think, and there's no obvious number two in that division right now either. No, yeah. And um, the real curious thing is, would Cousins take a pay, ch- a pay cut? Because, I mean, I, you would have to imagine he would because he's coming off an Achilles injury. And uh, what do you do with Garoppolo's contract? That'd be a lot of dead money right there. It is. And so, again, that's why I say the cap thing yeah. is probably real for them. And I don't know if they could swing that. And we'll have to – I'll be very interested once the dust clears of the actual season here – get all these cap numbers and how people look here's the thing you can break the salary cap by restructuring uh all if you want something bad enough you can restructure and restructure ask ask the south the saints have a lot of dead money they did it for breeze for a long time to try to get every ounce of that they were fair too they were the saints they'd never had that success before it doesn't grow on trees Understood it. They couldn't get another Super Bowl out of it, but they made some good playoff runs. And then Tampa did the same thing. They had eighty something million dead money this year. Think they just did that for the hell of it? No, they had Tom Brady. They were trying to maximize it. It's fair. So for Vegas or for another team, do you create a bunch of dead money in the future for Cousins? Probably not. So you are probably looking at a team that needs cap space. And by the way, I still think Minnesota is a real possibility. I don't know if with O'Connell at coach, who I think is pretty good. I mean, they won a lot of close games in year one for him, but I they were battling back this year. They had an awful start, and Justin Jefferson was hurt, and they started winning with Cousins. Like, they were not – they were probably going to make the playoffs if Cousins had stayed healthy. I really think they would have ended up making the playoffs yeah. again. Yeah. So, if you're Minnesota – are, do you have to change? Is are we kind of tricking you into thinking you have to change? Right. Because of him getting injured, maybe maybe you have your doubts about it. But it's don't tell me that like Jaron Hall or or Josh Dobbs or, or Nick Mullins or whoever the hell's on that roster come next year. Don't tell me any of those guys are better than Kirk Cousins. Don't 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 even don't don't tell me it's a better option. Like if you're not going to bring Cousins back, give me another option than that. Don't don't. Right. And are you high enough to take the quarterback you want in the draft? I, I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, you could take not. like Bo Nix or something, but like what? Hmm. You know, what, 15? What yeah. are they, 16? Yeah, 15, 16. But are you going to really – is that – are you That's so sure you on that? With? Yeah, like you're you know, sold like, on that. Again, that – like I'm just saying they – Penix would be you know? interesting. Is Penix still available? Is he the number four, four QB, five QB? 
Could be. Daniels is probably three. I don't know. That we could we be. getting in could the be. weeds there a little right. bit. But um you know, I just again I with Minnesota, I'm not convinced they have to move on from Cousins, but what's that salary figure? He made thirty five million this year. That is a lot of moolah. So what does he want it what does he want the most money for one year? Does he want a two year deal, some security after being injured, three year deal? That would be the question I would ask. But I'm, again, I'm not convinced Minnesota and him have to part ways yet. And also, one sidebar: What does Justin Jefferson think of all this? And do you care about Justin Jefferson thinking a certain way? That's yes. Another, that's another question. Yes, because <laughs> Justin Jefferson, I don't think, has a great rapport with him, or at least loves him. I, I think they work together well, fine. But I'm saying, I, I Justin Jefferson was getting disgruntled early this year, yeah, and then he got hurt, and then they started winning without him yeah so again there was some weird stuff there very so they, they've got stuff. to answer those questions very yeah they do. all right Gosh. well we're almost we're out of time for the show today we did not take a single break in the third hour that's really oh, not no. supposed to be that way we're gonna have to play a lot of commercials over the next 10 or 12 that's minutes. not I'm, ideal i'm gonna break the news to you i uh, do want to remind you that sports calls nightly tv guide is presented by white claw hard seltzer and there is some good basketball on tonight. Mississippi State goes to number eight, Kentucky. That's six o'clock ESPN two. Virginia Tech goes to Virginia in that rivalry, six o'clock ESPNU. Number one, UConn. They host a top 20 opponent, number 18, Creighton. That is six o'clock on FS1. There is some National Hockey League tonight. Chicago Blackhawks, Buffalo Sabres, 630 on TNT. And then, of course, number 13, Auburn. They travel to Vanderbilt Memorial Gymnasium. Hopefully it will be memorable or memorable for the Auburn Tigers. That one is eight o'clock on the SEC Network, and that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that is the show for today. TP Hammock, thank you for being here today on this Wednesday. We will see you again tomorrow. Thank you as always. And Cam Mary, thank you for being here today. I know you got something on Friday, but we look forward to seeing you again next week. Yeah, see you next week. Again, that does it for this Wednesday edition of the program. As always, we appreciate. All those that tuned in and called in for Camberian TP Hammock. My name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.